Hello guys, it is January 16th, 2020. I am Ty Worsham and this is Loose Screws. As you guys have probably noticed, I'm still trying to get the hang of this live streaming thing, so bear with me just a little bit. This is episode 20 of Loose Screws. And six months ago is when we started this. And it all kind of started off with something very small. And I never really thought it would get anywhere. But it has kind of grown into this thing that's pretty damn amazing. Um, and that's kind of what I was wanting to say real quick is that as we do episode 20 tonight, uh, and we got a big old beefy burrito size uh, episode for you guys, like a big burrito, not like a small burrito. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of what this has become, and I wanted to say this during our live stream at Christmas, but I got distracted, and I want to say it last week, but I am so thankful for everybody that listens to this show and listens to me and the guys just talk about this game that we love, and the people at FDev that have joined us, Paige, and now uh, uh, Steve Benedetti, uh, thank you guys. Lave Radio, thank you for supporting us for all this time. And I just want to say uh, thank you guys. And this is awesome. And now, now Old Man Ty will stop talking. So, um, <laughs> With me tonight, I have my usual uh, co-pilot, Dravenos. How's it going tonight, oh, bud? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, my other co-pilot, which we're going to figure out a cool title for you, by the way, is uh, good old Commander Kaizen. How's it going tonight, man? Man, I'm flying spaceships. It couldn't be any better. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, one thing I do want to talk about before we get started about everything else is um, we have someone else in the chat with us tonight, and that is Tweaked74 with a, I guess that's a Chinese symbol? Is that, and I, I will go with Asian symbol. I don't want to be, I don't want to offend nobody. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It, that's actually just a, uh, a, a signal that I'm in another group in my squadron that I'm in, the Leviathan Scout. Oh. The, excuse me, Leviathan Scout. And that basically means I'm the, in a group called Yari, which is a PvP group. So that's all that means. I got you. Okay. Well, um, we um, have tweaked on here tonight because he is a captain in uh, Leviathan Scout Regiment. I believe you're LNF2. I assume that's Leviathan Naval Fleet 2? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And you you play on the Xbox. and Yep. I have a, I get a fair amount of questions about the BGS that I do not understand because I understand very little about the BGS. So I'm bringing you in tonight to uh, give us a, a BGS 101, the background simulation. Um, but we'll come to that in just a second. Um, because what I was wanting to focus on first was that Stephen Benedetti has joined our uh discord and now we have two fdev people in here and that is really awesome we got Paige and we got steven and that is really awesome and uh, a large reason why that's been happening is because 
um, you know, Kai's been doing some stuff in the background, and our show is really growing. And Stephen Page, thank you guys very much for joining us. Um, I don't know if you guys are listening to the show, but if y'all do, thank you guys. Um, let's go ahead and let's do our normal shout-outs from, twi- from the Twitter Dravenos, please, sir. All right. This week, following us over at the Loose Screws ED Twitter, we have Purple Marauder, Anna Barrett Eve, and Indiana Cuffer. Thank you guys so much for following us and continuing to grow this wonderful community that we have. Cool. So, um, not a whole lot of news this week, but at the same time, there was a fair amount of news this week. Um, to begin with, we had, um, a patch dropped this week, or dropped on Tuesday, I believe. This was the great big, um, uh, January patch, where it's a big bunch of patch fix, of, uh, not patch fix, a big bunch of bug fixes that they released. And we kind of went over all the notes from last uh, last week of everything that was changing. Um, and we'll, we will, um, there's a few things that were different that we're going to go into in a, little, in a minute. But I do want to point out that when they released this patch, they also introduced a stuttering issue. And on Wednesday, to FDev's credit, they released a patch on PC to fix the issue. Now, the way I understand it, and Tweak, you can probably answer this way I understand it, that patch has not hit the consoles yet. That's supposed to be next week, right? That's correct. It has not hit. It's from what I'm hearing, it's going to be somewhere around Monday or Tuesday that patch hits on Xbox. Yeah, the the way I understand the reason that is is because there's a process that they have to uh, have Microsoft go through and check the patch or they have to approve the right. patch or something and they have to wait for, for them to do that. So, yep. how, how bad is it over there? How bad is the performance? Uh, the, the, some people are complaining of the stuttering. I myself haven't experienced that. What I have experienced is the, the conflict zones are totally broken. Yeah. You start a conflict zone and Basically, the progress bar disappears and it turns into a never-ending battle. It just, you run out of ammo before, you know, there's never a win or a loss or anything like that, which in turn kind of counts as a loss for the BGS, but that needs to get fixed, prefer- yeah. hopefully with the next patch. So, yeah. It's funny that they released a patch to fix CZs that broke the CZs even worse. <laughs> so, um... I'm going to go ahead and dive into the BGS, um, unless you guys have something else that we want to we want to bring up real quick before we get into the great big BGS discu- discussion. Cool. Not. <laughs> I'm excited for this. I, I I am too, and the reason why is because I have a lot of I say I have a lot of questions. It's more like I don't even know what to even ask on some of this stuff. So, tweet what is the BGS and how the hell does it work? Well, the BGS is first BGS stands for the background simulation and in my opinion it is the lifeblood of Elite Dangerous everything you do in this game with the exception of maybe PvP anything else you do affects the BGS how much it affects it and who affects it is what the real question is but it doesn't matter you are an explorer when you come back and you sell your data that affects somebody's BGS if you're a miner you go and you sell your void opals or your pay night, that affects somebody's BGS. You're doing missions from the mission board, that's affecting it. And when I say affecting it, in each star system, there is a 
maximum of seven. Sometimes you get eight in rare instances with invasions and whatnot. Seven different factions with 100% influence in that system divvied up between those factions. And if you take missions for faction X and you go complete those missions successfully, that raises their influence. And that can turn into a multitude of things, whether it be expansions or forcing wars and different things like that. So when you say like, like these are all player factions, right? Nope. It can be NPC factions as well. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah. Every faction in that game. I mean, if you go and you sell your, say you're doing commodity trading and you go and you sell something at a station, whoever owns that station gets an influence bump from you selling it. Okay. Same thing with cartographic data, same thing with like, if you go to an interstellar factor and you pay off some fines, whoever owns that station, that money kind of goes into their pocket, which it's turned into an influence bump for them. Okay. So let me, no, go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, and that, that comes into play a lot for these BGS players because there's a time, let's say uh, I want to attack Tweaks BGS and uh, I may go and help out some NPC faction somewhere else so that that will start a war with Tweaks BGS group so that I can do something in another place and he's blocked from trying to like interfere with that because he's in another war. Yep, counter BGS. I, that, that actually was just kind of happening to us. We, we were in a war, and we had somebody working. We were in a war against an NPC faction, and some player group was working against us. We you know could have been a couple of different people. We don't know exactly who it was, but they were fighting that war against us and make, keeping us busy there, and that allows them to do things in other systems where the bulk of us are busy in one other system. A distraction method, so to speak. I got you. So, so let me ask you this: like, like you talk about like the war and stuff like that. So, these are different states of the system, or different states of a of a of a station, or how, how does that work? Well, every if if you're in one system, and if if okay, if the loose screws, if you get in game right, and you mm -hmm. have a home system now. You go to that mission board and you see loose screws on the mission board and you can see that loose screws is in the system with six other factions and your influence is, for example, 34%. And so your influence will go up and down depending on missions passed, missions failed. If more missions get worked for another faction, then yours can go down because everybody shares a piece of the pie. It's all it's made up 100% divvied up that many ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, let me ask you this. So when you, so can you have different states for a different station or does, or is it like, like system wide? It's system by system. So if, if one system is at war, then you won't have war and boom at the same time or war and, you know, a, a different state expansion at the same time. But if you're, faction is in multiple systems you can absolutely have war in one system while you have a boom in another system while you have pirate attacks in a third system while you have civil unrest in a fourth system you know and you have to 
you have to keep putting all these players out all the time. Right. Okay. So trying I'm trying to fly and also trying to look at all the different faction states here. So um can you okay, so like let's if you're in a what's a good one? Like so let's say that you're in a uh like a boom state. Can you like is there a certain flow that you go for like from boom to bust or is it like boom to outbreak or is it or or is it kind of random or is there ways that I can affect like oh there's ways there's ways you can affect no, each state no matter which it is boom basically means there's been good trading happening mm -hmm. and it just constant flow of good trading which means prices are kind of up a little bit and everything's going well boom can bring in pirate attacks things like that and if you want to put us out of boom you sell low you could do like space trucking and you buy high at a different station and then bring it to our station and sell low so you're taking a loss for it but it's also making us take a loss for it too which will in the long run bring that downwards okay oh. so so like what are some ways like if your system is in a state of Let's, let's say, for instance, that they mean you have opposing factions. And let's say, for instance, that your system is in a state of, of what's a good one here to start off with? We'll say, we'll say expansion. So what exactly expansion and what things can I do to support it? And what things can, like if I was with your faction, what things could I do to support it? What things could I do to uh, prevent it if I was against it? Well, if, if you're talking expansion, that is a little bit different than the other states for one reason, really, is in order... For for a faction to go into expansion, their influence has to hit 75%. So it's pretty high. So if you're working with that faction, if you're in that faction and you want to expand into another system, you have to keep doing missions, selling your commodities, selling your opals, whatever you can do to raise that influence, typically by doing missions more than anything else. And that boosts the influence up to 75%. And Once you hit 75%, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, once you hit 75%, then with the next tick, you go into what they call pending expansion. And that can be pending for up to a couple of days, really. And what, the, what it's doing is it's searching the systems from wherever, whatever star system you're expanding out of, where you hit 75%. It looks for a system within 20 light years that has six factions or you know, has room for you to move in. So basically, six factions or less in one system. If it doesn't find any, if everything is full, it can go up to 40 light years. And then you can start talking about invasions. If it has trouble finding one, it will just pop you into a system where the, now there's eight and it instantly starts a war the next day and winner takes all. Whoever wins that war gets to stay in system and the loser gets kicked out. And if I understand correctly, an additional proviso to that is that you need to make sure that number one, that, that it has at least a non-native faction that you can go at and two, yes. and two yes. that you're not precluded by being in a state of expansion or war somewhere else. So you can you can push it up to 80% or 90%. If you're in war somewhere else, you can't be in expansion. You can't expand, that's correct. Right. And as far as the native factions, that is important because if you're targeting a certain system to get into, 
And now, mind you, you can't really type in or email FDEV and say, yo, we want to move into system X. You kind of have to massage all the systems around you to get you into the direction you want to go. And by doing that, if you know you want to get into the system, but they've got seven factions already, you find a non-native faction, which means they are not born in that system. Usually they will have a name. You know, if it's system X, then they're going to be the X men or the X whatever. They've always got X in the name. You know what I mean? You cannot force a native faction into retreat. A non-native faction you can force into retreat. And that's pretty hard. You have to get their influence down to 2.5% or less, and you have to hold it there for seven days. If it goes above that 2.5 one time, that whole process starts over again. And and important with that, because just for people who might not understand, because he kind of, he, he, Tweak just said, you can massage it. And there's some people that might not have a clue what that is. Let's say that there's there's three systems that you could move into there's system one system two and Sirius. let's i'm going to throw out a name because let's sure let's say that tweak wants to move into Sirius. he doesn't want to move into system one or two that's not where they're interested in what they can do as a group is they can send people to do missions in system one and system two so that they can manipulate the 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 one or two non-native factions in that system that may be up for play and take them out of play by getting them involved in other conflicts or by moving them so that his group by doing a whole lot of extra work in three systems can make it to where two of the systems take themselves out of the running and now he's free to move into Sirius which was his goal all along right well let me ask you this then so like what is what is like a typical day look like? Like 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 it's Saturday. You get up. You're gonna play elite all day. What does that look like? From like is a situation where like where like you get up, you fire up your Xbox, and like all right, well this is what I'm doing for the next 16 hours because I have to do these 30,000 things in order to survive. Or is or is it more of a situation where you can where you can kind of say, well, I really, I only need to do these ten things this week. Like, how, how much of a time investment is it? Is it really? Uh, the BGS is a bit of a time investment. It helps if you've got a good team around you that can put in the time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the reasons I joined the Naval Fleet and LSR Leviathan Scout Regiment is because, in order to affect the BGS, you are really doing a wide variety of everything. Like I said, you can affect it in so many ways. If I want to kill pirates, I can go take pirate missions and get the big influence pips. You know, you take those missions and you see three pip influence or five pip influence. Those are great for influence. Or I could get out, like break out the type nine and deliver 5,000 units of whatever missions. Or I can go mining and sell them at our stations and Really, whatever I feel like doing, I can find a way to make it work for the BGS. Uh, Typically, if we're at war, that's where I am. I'm in the CZs doing that because that's usually the most effective way to win a war. Otherwise, I'm just working the influence up in one system by doing regular missions or I'm keeping our influence down because we don't want to expand from there. So I'm doing missions for the other factions to to raise them up so we come down a little. Things like that. So. Let me jump in here because you kind of just confused me. So you would do missions for the other faction? Why? 
That, I knew that, that seems like that, that seems broke as shit. I knew that was going to break Ty's brain. <laughs> well, so, so for example, we have one system. We are in twenty systems right now, and what we want to do as a faction, we're trying to consolidate some of our systems, right? Okay. So we want to. We're in twenty systems. We don't own all twenty systems, so we want to own the ones that we don't already own that we're already in. So there's one system where we're at 72.5% last time I checked. We're not trying to expand. We're not, it's not our goal to expand out of there. It's just enough people are doing missions out of there or whatnot. So that's constantly borderline going into expansion. So what I do is I go in there and I will run the missions for the other squads, the other factions, just to raise those guys up a little bit, because that when they raise up a little bit, it knocks us down a couple points, and it keeps us from going into expansion when we're not trying to. So, so uh, just... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay. no, <laughs> Alright, uh, what I was going to ask, though, is like, so it's also one of those things, because I know there's like multiple groups that do this stuff. And another thing oh, way to do that, too, is like, it's like kind of diplomacy, like, okay, you help us in this system, we'll help you in this system. Oh, absolutely. Yep. We have we have uh, coalitions with a couple different factions that they need help. You know, they come and help us in PvP situations or we help them in PvP situations and we turn around and help them in BGS as, in return or things like that. So, so Ty, Ty a key, a, a key thing to keep in mind is what I said earlier, because I, I, I knew that this was going to break your brain when you got to like, wait, why the hell would you run missions for the other side? <laughs> let me let me come back to the key thing you have to remember, Ty, is this. You can only like move in. You can only be on the move and be aggressive and going into one thing at a time. So let's say that I have my heart set on serious, like my group is going to go... We're going to move into the Sirius system. This is our whole linchpin of our whole plan for galactic domination. We're going to go into Sirius, and then we're going to move to A and B and C and all these other places. If I look around and I see that, holy shit, in, in system, uh, you know, uh, lave, where we have a, a something going on, we've got another group that is running things but they're kind of like slacking or or whatever and their numbers are going down and our numbers are going up i have to be very careful with my crew and tell them yo go run missions for the other side in lave because if we go too high it's going to trigger us to start moving into lave and that screws us because it blocks us from moving into sirius which is what we're aiming at or or you expand when you don't want to into somebody else's space and it can trigger a conflict <laughs> with another player faction. Yeah. So so a lot of times that's – all of this has to do with massaging the numbers because you only want to be high in the place you want to be high. And you want to be low in the other places but not too low because, like, you have to keep yourself within a buffer. If you get within a certain range, a certain plus or minus – of other groups that will initiate conflicts with those groups. So sometimes you have to like the, the part that's super obvious and intuitive is, well, we want to be strong everywhere and that. So like, okay, yes, but you don't want to be too strong because if you're challenging people where you don't want to go, you can a block yourself out of making the moves you do want to make and B piss off other people and get yourself into extended, you know, you could basically make the, uh, the, uh, hitler napoleon mistake of you know you're fighting a war on multiple fronts now and you can't focus on what you're trying to get done 
That's very true. You have to think about a lot of things when it comes to BGS. What's the like? What's the crappiest part? Like, what's the thing that you're sitting around <laughs> going, "Man, I wish they changed this," or "This thing sucks," or "This thing is awful," or like, what's the thing that you just hate? Uh, nothing about the BGS, to be honest with you, because I can always find something that I want to do that will work for it. Like I said, I, I think the BGS probably is the system that works the best in the whole game, to be honest with you. It's the system that makes the galaxy a, a living, breathing galaxy, really. And the hilarious thing is there's so many players, like I was just, I was having a conversation with Tweaked earlier today uh, in the Discord where uh, we were talking about the different things we look for. And he said, well, I want this. And I said, well, I want that. And he, and, and basically I summed it up by saying, well, you have to understand though, Tweak, you're playing Alexander the Great. I'm playing Marco Polo. Like we're playing two different games. And it's hilarious because while I, I understand the BGS, I don't focus on it. So I'm just doing my thing happily and ignoring all of this stuff. But the changes that I'm making in going about my activities are things that he's keeping like, meticulous track of if they are in the systems that he's interested in yep <clears throat> so let me ask you this about the bgs thing okay so when when okay what exactly is um because i understand war and i understand civil war they're kind of the same thing but what exactly is elections, and what do you do with that? Elections are pretty simple, really. It's uh, I can't remember the exact reason why you go into an election instead of a war. There is one deciding factor, and uh, so the for difference. Some reason... The difference there is so like if I am a uh, like a an elected party, and you are a dictatorship, and we yeah, disagree, it's... we'll go into war. But if we're both elected officials and we we both are like uh, part of the right. same, it's, like it's the contract. overall party of the of the faction is I think it's, what it what decides a, it. Yeah, an right. election is just a war without blood. So it's literally it's the same thing except for if we're if I'm an if I'm an elected official and you're a dictatorship, we'll go into war. If we're both elected, we'll go into an election. If we're right. both on the and same then, sort of. Side. And then all you do is it's you you do data courier missions to spread information around to win the election. Or if you're the side, if you're the side that's currently holding the the station, then you have the advantages the incumbent of the, you could do you know other things. You could do the the uh, you know uh, cartographics and the other stuff. Well, not for not for the election. Oh, the, for election the election, nope. For the election, <laughs> it's kind of like a a war where there's certain missions for it. Uh, oh. You have to do the strategic data courier strategic scans things like that just like when you're at conflict when you're in a war there are what they call wartime missions on the mission board so if you don't want to go to the cz's or if you don't have a ship capable of the cz's that's not engineered enough you can go to the mission board and you'll see deliver strategic data which is just a glorified data courier mission or you'll see go recover these wartime black boxes and they all count for a point for the war. So, so I know that the power play groups have a sort of reoccurring complaint of, let's say some unscrupulous groups that may or may not have a couple of bot accounts that are, you know, T nines running stuff back and forth all day, every right. day. Is that a situation that you come across a lot in the BGS as a faction? No. 
not at least not on xbox never had to have worry about it we're a fairly large squadron and now we have expanded into like i said 20 systems and more often than not we can keep our bgs fairly steady with enough work and attention whereas if there were bots like that i don't know if we could even combat it but do you find that being a xbox bgs group i i assume you are primarily focused that way do you find that that you have a different flavor of interactions with say the ps4 groups or the pc groups or is it just kind of uh nope because lsr is on all platforms so they're on pc and also ps4 so we have guys working well that's the other thing about the bgs i guess i should mention too is the bgs is affected by each platform so when you guys are playing on PC, if you go to my systems and work it, I will see the results of that on Xbox. Hmm. So everybody's working together in that regard. So it's, it's not a situation where like like your portion of the of of Leviathan Scout, like your portion on the, only affects the Xbox stuff. Like like the Galaxy's the Galaxy, no matter what console you're on. Right. Why right. won't they yeah. let us play together? Good lord! <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> I'm at a point where it doesn't make any damn sense in my brain now. I mean, I know the whole, I know the whole Sony play. I know the whole Sony yeah. does wants to play in their own yard. I get that, but come on. I mean, they, they've actually already got the API there for them to do that now. So enough's enough. Let's just do this. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they, but they they let that out very very late in the cycle, and so it, it's one of those things that hopefully with the next cycle, as things progress, uh, as as you know, Frontier is doing their 2020 paid update, they'll be able to incorporate that going forward. That would be amazing. Imagine what that would be like, all of us sharing the one galaxy and being able to actually interact meaningfully. We'll see. I mean, who knows with this 2020 update and all the code changes they're making? Maybe. Well, let me let me ask you guys. Let me ask you this tweak. So, like, Loose Screws is there's about there's about I can't remember how many people in this Discord. And I was we'll just say there's 50 in this Discord. And let's say that we had 20 people who were wanting to somewhat participate. Do you think it would be in Loose Screws' best interest to create a uh, in-game faction? I think personally that having an in-game faction adds so much immersion and depth to the game, adds purpose to what you do in the game, that it's the best thing going for the game. Just a little... When I was... Before I was going... Before I joined LSR, I wasn't in. I was just going from station to station, doing random missions. I didn't really feel loyal or dedicated to anybody in particular. Once I joined LSR and I could go to the mission board and they're right there, it's like okay, I'm with I'm on this team now, you know, and and it just changed things for me. I never am lacking for things to do to help the squadron at this point. So, where did where did LSR start out? Like what's um, that's a fair question. That they I I definitely wasn't the beginning with LSR. That's um, that's a question for somebody else. I, I they've been around for a couple of years, and there's a couple of military guys in the upper command of LSR. So we're a very organized Discord. We're a very organized squadron, really. You have multiple fleets within the squadron. So you have your PvP fleet, you have your exploration fleet, and you have your BGS fleet. So 
And the way it works when you get recruits is you get recruits, they keep recruit tags until they open up X number of engineers and a couple other things to prove that they can survive. And then they choose what fleet they want to go into. So I'm in the BGS fleet and people come and join me and that's like our main job. So when we get on, if there's BGS goals to get done, we work that a little bit. But if we feel like it's been done enough, I'll go get in my PVP ship and go spar with the TF-13 guys or different things like that. So we're not locked into only doing one thing if, if, if we don't want to. So so while, while, while you weren't there for the original original, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with LSR, some of the notable things you guys have done, and without giving up any intel on current ops, like what, sure, what you're sure. doing now. Well, when when the group I was with merged into LSR and we just became full-fledged LSR, there was a trade fleet along with the other fleets, and that's where I got put into to begin with. So that's how I got my elite ranking in trade. I was mining a ton, making all that money. And then I got really burnt out on mining, and I decided that I liked doing missions, and I liked the idea of being able to do a lot of different parts of the game. I didn't want to just do one thing. So I thought the BGS fleet might be for me. When I joined the Navy, I think we were in maybe seven systems in the year or so that I've been in the Navy now. And it's not just me by any stretch. We have a great team. We got great commands. You know, there's another captain in the Navy with me, co-captain. And then we have a rear admiral. And there's some really great strategic planning that happens. We are now in 20 systems. So we've grown exponentially over the last year or so, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. And without giving, like I said, future stuff away, what are some of the places you're in now and some of the things you're enjoying? Well, we are in Wukuku, which is a technology broker, material trader. Congrats uh, on that. Just, you just got that last week. Yes, yeah? we did. We are in kind of cool for us. We're, we moved into Eurivia, which is a engineer system. And we're in basically the bubble around that those types of areas. So you're messing with those blue mafia guys, huh? Yep, constantly, <laughs> constantly. <laughs> right on. That actually really does affect our BGS because in one of our systems that ESB is in, because everybody that plays the game has to rep up with them in order to get to that engineer, they are constantly moving those guys up in <laughs> the influence. So we are always going to war with them in that system, like constantly. Let me ask you this. So like, it's so like you say you got 21 systems and I'm assuming each system has, you know, one or two stations or more, or maybe like four or five settlements or more. How, how uh, do you, like, how do you keep track of all that? Uh, the game's pretty good about that. Really? The game keeps track of it real well. We use Inara. Inara keeps track of everything. Plus we're always active on discord. So we get all our orders and everything to everybody through discord. We can look at our systems through Inara, but the great thing that they added with squadrons, as far as the BGS goes, is I can go to my right panel and go to squadrons and then click squadron allegiance. And it will give me a list of all of our systems and I can click on it and it'll tell me what the influence is and what our states are in that system. So I can keep tabs on it all nice and handy right in game. So the way most of these seem to go, Ty, is that your your group will have its own Discord. You'll have a GCHQ crew. You'll have a couple of guys who like 
actually spend a lot of time analyzing and looking at whatever. And then they just, they do all the, the, the sort of the maths, they figure out, okay, we need to do this here. We need to do that there. They figure out the strategy. And then in the morning they'll post in the discord in separate channels. Like we need, uh, you know, cartographic data turned in here. We need missions run for our enemy over there because we're too high, not enemy, but uh, one of our neighbors there will, we need people to focus on doing this here and they'll call out like, do this, do this, do this. And then the rank and file that just kind of play to play, they'll hop in and they'll say, okay, they need trucking over here. They need data over here and they need combat over there. What do I feel like doing today? And then they'll just go do it. Hmm. So what sort is there like special things because like when you go hunting thargoids you got to kind of equip out your ship to go hunt thargoids is there like special things you got to do with your ship to make it to where is it more bgs friendly or is there specific um, that are better for one or thing or another personally i typically have a different ship for each thing i want to do okay. so i have if i'm running passengers i get in my python that's got a ton of passenger cabins and that's all i do if I'm working the CZs, I have a vet kitted out for CZs that's almost unbeatable in there against NPCs anyways. <laughs> uh, I did, I did within the last few months, build a BGS Python that is kitted out for combat like a PvP ship, but it's got 180 cargo on it and one passenger cabin. So I can go to any of our stations and pick up a pile of whether it be little delivery missions or one bigger 180 delivery mission, which gives you usually three to five pips of influence. Or if there's none of those, I can hit the passenger board or I can do all of the above and I don't have to go back to the station after one or two jobs. I can just go do my five or six jobs that I picked up. And if a pirate interdicts me, I can blow them up, take their mats and move on and finish my mission. So the short <laughs> answer to your question, Ty, is no. There's no, there's no BGS build. If you're doing cartographics, you put an explorer bill. If you're doing, you know, has res and, or CGs, whatever you do, you know, if you're doing combat bonds or whatever, you do a, a build for, for that. If you're, if you're doing trading, you do a build for that. It's just the same stuff that you're already doing in the game. It's just where you're doing it for the purpose of only individual gain in your exploration rank or your money or your combat rank. He's doing it for the group goal. Okay. And really, really one of the biggest differences, I, I'm willing to bet if you guys do a mission, like if you go to the mission board and you take and assassinate the pirate mission <laughs> and you complete it, that you will typically, most people I bet, either take the material reward or they take the money reward. In the Navy, for the BTS, <laughs> right. For the BGS, you want to take the reward that shows you the most influence. Yeah, because if I can do ten missions of higher influence as opposed to just one or two pip of influence, then it will raise our influence significantly higher than than yeah. taking the the money reward. So I'll take a little less money to get a little more influence for the squad most of the time. So just for those who are new and might not might not understand, like, well, what what do you mean? So basically, you know, whenever you do a, any mission of any kind, you can you you get a money pay. They'll give you options. You can take pay out a b or c you can either take the one with more money or you can take the one that has a material or the one that has rep or the one that has influence and the only difference between rep and influence is rep is 
I personally get more sort of of a boost of my my uh, in my what do you want to call it Repu- reputation with that yeah, faction yeah. with that faction whereas influence doesn't do anything for my reputation it ups that group's reputation in the system right okay well, that's, I was actually about to ask that so I, I can make sure I understood the difference between <laughs> reputation and uh, yep. influence for, for example if, if loose screws is in game the first thing you would all want to do, and I'd come and do it with you too because we're friends, I would go to your system and I would take all the missions for rep so that I get allied up. Because once you're allied up, you get way better paying missions and everything. Right. Once I'm allied up, I'm just taking the influence rewards because that will boost your influence up and up and up. Hmm, Okay. And I just have to I have to call out because you said before that we're at like 50 just because the Discord's my baby and I, I'm working it constantly. We're up to about 80. And uh, if anybody else wants to join, uh, you know, for sure, uh, there's going to be in the show notes. But I'll also make sure that I call it out right now. Tinyurl.com forward slash forward slash loose screws podcast l-o-o-s-e s-c-r-e-w-s p-o-d-c-a-s-t no space and uh, come join us so um to, excuse me one second i've got a small deal with i'm on call this week at work so i had to respond to a text message while i was at a work text message <laughs> so um i think that's so so I literally pulled up all the questions that people had asked me over the months about the BGS. And then I went through and I think I've asked all of them. They're one that the one a whole lot. Do you guys have anything else y'all want to so ask tweak about it? There's, there's two things that I'd like to hit with tweak. The first is I'm, I'm a big community guy. That's my focus on, on this game. And I'm not going to let you get out of here tweaked without asking you Make some call outs in your community. Tell shout out some LSR guys that you work with that you have fun with and that you want to give a shout out to so they can hear themselves on the show. Oh well if I have to call guys out, I'm calling out my Navy boys. You know, Mutton Dagger is the rear admiral of the fleet, Captain Trizzle, both heavy hitters for the influence and getting things done, and then my lieutenants, Captain Juicy Jams and Tatsua. Can't beat these guys, man. I got a good team that's helping get all this kind of stuff done and Everybody that I just named off really fell in love with the BGS of actually having that much of an effect on the galaxy. What other game can you play where you can change the political scheme of the galaxy? And not power play political, but within the factions, you know, it's just, I don't know any other games where I can move things around like this and have that kind of control over the galaxy. It's interesting because, you know, for us, we're basically playing, you know, pew pew spaceship game. And in a way it's like, he's playing, he's playing that, but at the same time, he's playing uh, civilization, you know, where it's like, yeah. okay, yep. trying to, to, to move stuff around on the map, which is very, very cool. So the other, the other question that I had, <clears throat> and this is a two-parter, the first is how many, like, I don't know if this is a sensitive thing that you're, you, you know, whatever, but, about how many members would you say you guys have and about how many members would you say you know the average bgs groups have 
Uh, as far as our VGS group, I'd say we probably have active maybe eight to ten guys, I guess, that are fairly active. And that's probably on the high end from what I understand for most squads. But okay. it works out way better. I mean, when I first started, there was two or three of us, and you really had to do a lot of work to get things done. Now we can spread it out a little more. So, so the BGS, it's, it's like if you guys had – 50 people in your in your faction if you made an in-game faction not all 50 would have to work the bgs if you didn't want to but if you had 10 or 15 guys that enjoy doing that kind of thing you could absolutely massage especially a small squad and stuff like that and and handle everything right on and uh and lastly um i can't let you i can't let you end up wrap up this section and hopefully you'll stay with us for the whole show but we can't wrap up this section without your thoughts on the new system states that were just introduced with the patch well i haven't had the uh luxury of seeing them any any of them in game yet so one thing i've learned with fdev is i can read all about it and expect one thing and when i see it actually play out it can be a whole different thing <laughs> but I think I think a lot of them are going to bring some interesting gameplays where, for example, none of us really do a ton of space trucking, so to speak. But if there's a drought, we're going to have to go pick up a ton of water and come and drop it off in our system. So that's going to incur some night I foresee us doing that, you know, and it'll be just something that normally we wouldn't have ever done. But one other thing I did want to say about the BGS real quick, too, which kind of goes into space trucking and trading that people I don't think really understand is if you have a system or a station in a system and you go to the outfitting, say you want to put new hard points on your ship and you say, man, the hard points here kind of suck. Why don't they have this? Why don't they have that? You know, you can change that. You can change that by commodity trading. You find the good trade route get the different things to sell, sell them at a high price over there. And if you do it enough and it does take a lot of work, you can actually change the outfitting of the system of, or excuse me, of the station. That's awesome. Now, is it just unlocked randomly as you get to certain levels or is there like a preset as you get to certain levels or can you, it doesn't tell you any action? Nope. Nope. It's, it's, it's just as you start bringing in more commodities and you, raise that economy up the outfitting slowly gets better and better and better there's no way to choose how you want to do it or anything like that it just all of a sudden you'll notice hey they have size i don't know size five beans or size five prizzies now when they didn't have it last week you know and so you could actually game it to where you could actually end up your system could actually or your station could actually end up with better stuff absolutely yep oh, that's, that's no doubt cool. about it very cool. Are are there like limitations on that that you've seen? Like like if you if you have like you know class five prismatics and then you know you game it up to where you get like class six. Like is there like a cap on it or something to where you you'll never you'll never see the the class eights? Nope. You can get it all the way up to class eight if you do enough trading. That's pretty cool. So that's why some like so back before I had elite. Uh, that's why, you know, you'd be looking for a particular module this week. We'll have it next week. It won't. I never, right. uh, and that, I, that's exactly why that is. Yep. Wow. Five years. Never knew that one. 
Learn something new every day. Um, That's the great thing about this game is you do literally, you can, I don't care how much time you put into this game, there's still something you don't know about it. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, man. So, like, we got this big, well, okay. Let me start off with fleet carriers. How do you think fleet carriers will affect the BGS, or do you think do you think they will affect it at all? A uh, couple of ways for that I think. First of all, I'm going to love it for those systems that yeah that we have that only have tin can stations because mm-hmm. in the in the CZs I'm typically flying my VAT just because it's a sure thing. You know what I mean? I have some medium ships, but they don't have the ammo. You have to have a certain build to work well in the CZs, I believe. Right. With a fleet carrier, I can park that thing right outside of the CZs in that system, and then me and my squad mates can land all of our vets on it and restock there, and we don't have to fly all the way back out of system to go to a large station. Okay. Or, or a situation we just had where all the CZs were 100,000 light seconds away from the station. Instead of flying that every time, you just park it right out there, restock, refuel, right back to the CZs. The other way I think it can happen is, and I think this is going to be a PvP thing too, if my BGS wants to mess up your BGS, what better way than to land a fleet carrier outside of your system somewhere and use that as a home base to go mess with your stuff? Do you think the – because it's been kind of uh, guessed that like the trading uh, support ships to the fleet carriers – will have the ability to sell commodities. Do you think... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they will. I I think it's going to be role-specific. So the explorers are going to have certain things they can do. A trader is going to have commodity market, most likely. And it'll be interesting. How do you see the commodity market... Like, if I flew my uh, fleet carrier into your system, how do you see that commodity market affecting the BGS? Like... Like, do I get to pick which faction that the influence goes to from the commodity market? Or do you think it's well, a situation that, where it's just random as to where, where, wherever it is? Well, I think it would go to your faction in that case. If you fly yours out there and it has a commodity market, if you're taking things from yours to mine, it's going to affect both of us in that way. But if it's going to be your faction that gets the influence up or down or whatever's going on there from a fleet carrier, I think. So you can make the same argument with like, like, like for the, like the exploration one, like you could park an exploration one, like it, like a further out system. You could effectively start doing influence in that system with just your fleet carrier then, huh? Yeah, I think so. Do you think, do you think that we'll see kind of a great big shakeup with the fleet carriers in the BGS to where people are doing more kind of undermining stuff? I think it's a possibility. BGS, really, I mean, there's some people that absolutely hate working the BGS. They just want to do PvP. And mm-hmm. there's other people like myself that find it totally fascinating and and do it all the time. So it's that's the thing about the fleet carriers is we don't know. I mean, is FDEV just going to give us the fleet carrier and say, okay, now go find something to do with it? Or are they going to create content that we need a fleet carrier to go do something with? I, I, I'm curious to see how that's going to work out for us. What is your what is your ideal scenario? Like, what do you want out of fleet carriers that they haven't said that's coming? Yeah, I don't really know. I, 
quite honestly, I'm pretty happy with everything that they've said. It's coming, really, yeah. as long as it doesn't break the game. I mean, if this last update is any indication, I, I, I'd rather not have the fleet carriers if they're going to put it in and it's going to totally break the game. So <laughs> hopefully they get that stuff straightened out in that amount of time. But everything that they've said about the fleet carriers sounds great. It's just a matter of getting them out here. Yeah. So let me also ask you about the 2020 update. <laughs> What do you want out of the 2020 update, and what do you think that's coming? Well, two things, I think. One, I hate going out in the black. I have learned the hard way that I am not an explorer. Okay. But if they added atmospheric planets and gave me different things to see when I got out there, that might entice me to go explore. So if they want people doing that, that would be one route to go. Me personally, though, I'm not a big first-person shooter fan, but I could deal with it. I prefer third-person myself. I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. I love Red Dead. I love the kind of combat that you have where you can duck behind crates or around walls and shoot from cover and all that kind of stuff that you usually can't do in first-person. But Space Legs, my idea for it, and I don't know if this is what they're doing, obviously, you know how now when we're at war, you go to a station and you pick up a massacre mission to kill 72 ships from the opposing faction? Mm -hmm. Now you go to the station and you pick up a massacre mission to kill 52 whatever, and it tells you to land on planet B4 in the system and go to settlement whatever, and you get out of your ship and you take out Thargoids or pirates or whatever the case may be. You know, in a, and whether it be a first person or a third person kind of combat, you run out of your ship, you have your weapons, you're, you're hiding behind things, you're shooting things, and then you go back to your ship and you go back up into space and do what you do. And if you don't want that in the game, you never have to do it. It's, it's totally optional. Yeah. Well, I think that we were all kind of with the mindset that, um, uh, I think we all kind of prefer, atmospheric stuff over space legs i think that's kind of the consensus overall but that being said i think i i think f devs are going to give us something pretty good so do, we have, do we have anything else uh related to the bgs when you want to ask here guys is there just anybody in the chat have any questions for tweaked regarding the bgs i'm just still trying to process like everything this has been a very informative episode yeah yeah it's good stuff yeah it's good stuff well, um, Tweaked, if you need a bell out, man, uh, I appreciate you joining us. And if you want to stay, you're more than welcome to stay. Uh, feel free to... Uh, I can hang out for a while longer if you don't mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome. So, um, the news, there was a... I think we are kind of talked about the patch that released Tuesday. And it introduced a stuttering issue. We've already talked about this, haven't we? I'm yeah. going off notes here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um... I can exit out of that then. Exit out of that. Let's go down to the next set of notes. All right. It's almost like I'm doing this for, you know, I'm professional here. Can't you tell? <laughs> um, what I say when I'm on stream and somebody's like, hey, you don't have your video game up. I'm a professional streamer, guys. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think that's going to bring us to Elite Week with Kai. Right on. What uh, you got for so us, Bubba? 
So first, uh, and I meant to do this last week, and I sincerely apologize. We got we got swept up, and it it just it, it missed me. But uh, so I want to make sure everyone, please take a moment and go to tinyurl.com forward slash PS4CQC. Now, if you click on the ticket there, our PlayStation 4 brethren can get access to their CQC. Uh, I personally am not a huge CQC guy, and I play on PC. I don't play on PlayStation, but the Lave Radio guys last week called out, uh, their guest called out and said that Basically, for PlayStation 4 players, CQC has been broken for like a year, where they go in, they'll queue up, they start, and then when they die, unlike everyone else who you die, and then you repop, and then you go back out there and continue the PvP fight, for them, they go to black screen. So mm-hmm. even if you're not a PlayStation 4 player, PC players, Xbox players, everyone, have a heart, go over, click on that link. You are not, this isn't a situation of like you're griping or moaning or being a malcontent. This is the system that FDev has given us that they want us to use to say what's important to us to fix. And if everyone goes out there and clicks on that link, which is tinyurl.com forward slash PS4CQC, you can just, it takes two seconds. You just click on it. You click to vote for that thing. And that just tells FDev, hey, we, we would like this focused on so that these guys can get back to playing the game the way they want to play it. So that's a that's a huge thing. It takes two seconds. It will be in the show notes for anyone who, who needs it as well. <clears throat> All of the show notes can be found in our show notes channel on the Discord. And, you know, just join us. Come take a look. Um, all right. So let's start now. I wanted to give shout outs to Commander DJ Wiley of the email that we're going to discuss in just a little bit. He uh, came back from uh, from an exploration trip uh, successfully, and I just wanted to give him a quick shout-out. Uh, 10K Tat, just for being awesome. Uh, Gav D. Cook, uh, for his awesome screenshots in the col- and his, like, commemorating his return from his Colonia adventure. Um, also... Big shout out to OK Piper for unlocking the cutter and Devoluter for unlocking the vet. Congrats to you guys. Uh, new to our Discord this week, in addition to the man, the legend, Stephen Benedetti from FDev, uh, we've got Anabaric, we've got Cinnamon Ring, Joke, The Rev, Jack Shafto, Rusty Dog, the streamer, we've got Exegius, the streamer, we've got Souverine of uh, Lave Radio and Sagittarius Eye and Parallel Worlds fame. We've got Zen, Golden Poncho 812, PGD Camp, Peter Hudson. Uh, we have the infamous Harry Potter, who we'll talk later, but I got to say, I know everyone hates Harry Potter or whatever because he's like, oh, he's, you know, the big bad guy or whatever. There's more to that story than you know. And uh, you may be finding out about that at some point in the future. So just keep an open mind. We've got Lark Shadow, Cool Guy, one eight four one zero two, and uh, and then that brings us to our story time. Story cool time. guy, if if I can interdict there, Cool Guy's an LSR member. Welcome, Cool Guy. Right on, man. Yeah. So, for last week's story time with Old Man Ty, I'm looking at the screenshot channel and I see that DJ Wiley, Raxla Smaxla, Doctor Kameas Corelli, Lieutenant Commander Data, and myself, we all went down. 
uh got to experience that with ty uh we did the you know did the things and posted pictures and got to see the whole story um for kai's question from last week uh what do you want from fleet carriers we do have some responses but i want to continue this for next week we've got a lot of stuff we're doing this week so we're going to push forward and i want to get more responses i want more people to have a chance to respond on what they want out of fleet carriers but since i'm not giving you that answer this week i'm going to uh give you a pro tip hashtag pro tip uh to sort of uh pay it back so everyone needs to be doing power play just do it get yourself in pledge to somebody buy the stuff move on to the next um Everyone, a, a lot of times people start with uh, Ashley Duvall for the prismatic shields and because she's a little cutie. That's awesome. But after you get your prismatic shields, a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know if I want other stuff. And I don't want a lot of uh, <clears throat> modules sort of clogging up my, you know, limit because you can only have a certain amount of modules before it won't let you have any more. Here's what you do. Uh, That's why I buy another Anaconda. Well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Here's what you do. Go in, buy ships. Now, actually, I find the gunship to be ideal for this. If you buy, because federal gunships are not that expensive. If you have the rep to unlock them, they're, they're not that expensive. They have a massive number of weapon slots. And then you just make a gunship called Cytoscramblers or Packhounds, and you fill it up with Cytoscramblers and Packhounds. Not a lot of people know this, but there's actually a soft limit of 250 ships per commander that you're allowed to have before you get to problems. And I pulled that directly from Frontier Forums, where it was uh, listed uh, by a dev. So I've got that in the show notes as well. <clears throat> so um, let me let me interject here real quick on that. Um, so, the Challenger has the same number of, not the same type, but the same number of hard points. So that's a good alternative if you don't have the rep, the Alliance Challenger. True. So that's absolutely true as well. Um, so let's see, continuing through with, uh, I'm sorry, I've been going super, super fast. Does anybody have any comments on the, the shout outs or the new to the discord or story time? Any of that? Um, I actually have a shout out, uh, dark as Vim hit, elite this week so congrats to him man oh man congrats Very that's cool. awesome and uh i did my part as far as the ps4 cqc and went and voted while you were telling us about it yep. oh thank you sir that's very awesome all right so uh looking at the media that came out this week obviously so on friday you you always get uh there's there's three pieces of general like news that you get every week friday you get uh witch space news by commander burr and the burr pit uh, and you get Obsidian Ants 3306. Both of them were good this week. Check them out. They're basically covered the stuff that we covered in last Thursday's show because they came out hours after that and they covered basically patch notes and Thargoids are back. Um, Friday stream, definitely take a look. Uh, uh, Commander Exegius had a stream with the AXI, uh, and I've got a link to it in the show notes talking about the history and lore of all things Thargoids and the AXI and in the in-game lore going from 3300, then first moving backwards and showing like, okay, these were the Inra things, these were the things from the previous uh, interactions, and then going forward 
and these are you know from when interdiction when they first found barnacle sites and interdictions first started happening and all of canon researches stuff and it's a very very good show it's like a two-hour stream if you're into the history of the thargoids and you're super excited because now the thargoids are back and you want to like know what's going on with all that check that out um then moving into monday we had my favorite news show of the week it comes out every monday and that's when my week starts which was hello dave and hello dave uh this week um on the best damn ed weekly show uh we got a very cool shout out from um down to earth astronomy uh and he talked about stuff that was going on with his channel but he also told everybody hey check out loose Cruise podcast and put a link in there which was very very kind of him so thank you very much moving on to tuesday we had patch one you know the january patch like we already said the stutter and everybody's you know everybody's uh experiences with that patch two was the following day to fix the stutter <clears throat> And that later that day, a very cool, another video came out by Down to Earth Astronomy called I Got Killed by the Planet of Death. Again, the link is in the show notes. He goes through, explains the science behind the planet of death, shows you him going and what happens if you don't dismiss your ship. And he tries to take off in the ship and it explodes hilariously comes back and has a very cool, like 10 minute long science talk about how the actual things work with this then has a neat little segment where he just shows you riding through in like a time lapse with a very kind of beautiful piano music playing in the background and you just get to enjoy the visual and then coming back talks through you know how you do it how you get in how you get out it's very very cool any anybody want to hop in on any of that real quick before i move on okay (laughs) <laughs> so the, that same day rusty dog put out a very cool uh stream where he does post patch stream things all of the things he shows you in detail as he was going through and exesius also put out both of them put out a uh you know a post patch testing the things um which were were very cool um i was on the exegius one and and it was a it was a great conversation and we were uh you know doing a lot and that, that's where i started talking more with harry potter about a lot of things in in the past which uh we're going to set something up so uh you can hear more about at some point um let's see here that brings us to today so today the big goings on were commander exegius did a stream with our friend friend of the show alec turner uh the extraordinary uh with regard to all thing Buckyball Racing Club and specifically the Halpy, uh, Halpy Hand run that's going on right now. <clears throat> so they talked about the history of, well, first they talked about the history of Alec Turner in the game and talked about, you know, different things he's done with his Alec Turner's best of the forums and different groups he's been involved in and, and so forth. And then the history of the Buckyball Racing Club from its formation, some of the different runs that they have out now and some of the different like records that have been set and so forth. <clears throat> and then they also actually did uh, a run, a test run. Exegius went through as his first time, just, just went through as a virgin and did it. And I'm going to let you 
watch for yourself but there's a link in the notes you gotta go check it out it's very very cool and for anyone who has not yet checked it out if you if you are new to the show and you don't you know you haven't heard all of them going back a couple episodes ago we did one with alec turner an interview with him talking about his thoughts on all manner of things it was it was just ty and alec turner one-on-one it was a phenomenal um um interview so go check that out and definitely check out this stream <clears throat> also today uh, happening was frontier development uh steven benedetti did a stream with the uh the hutton truckers and they did a whole event there is an event going on right now where and this this is crazy guys the hutton truckers have decided that they're going to fix mods which is uh mug ownership deficiency syndrome which is like people don't have hutton mugs so they don't have the hutton spirit good title yeah so the way they're gonna fix that is by uh delivering hand delivering a hutton mug to every one of the i forget the exact number i think it's like fifty-seven thousand stations in this game so they're, they got together a huge crew and they started kicking it off. Uh, and they kicked it off live on the stream. It is a process that is ongoing and will be ongoing for some time. But if you remember last week when I mentioned these guys, these guys are complete nutters. They're, they're awesome. They're silly. This has no point other than to do it. If you want to take part in a very cool, weird, funky project so you can say, Hey, I was a part of that. I remember when when we took mugs to every station in the galaxy. I did that. Go check out uh, the Hutton Truckers. Check out their their Discord. Uh, check out that stream, which there is a link in the show notes to, uh, and they will have more information of who you contact or whatever. This is going to be a project that's going to be going on for some time. Get involved. Go get some mugs. Take them somewhere, and and help cure. Poor space nerds that have mug ownership deficiency syndrome. And I dare you to say that three times fast without tripping over your own tongue. Any uh, any thoughts on that, guys? I'm, I'm, I'm taking a mug to Hutton Orbital. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the reverse project. You're like, all right, I need to make sure Hutton is stocked with mugs. That's a beautiful thing, man. Well, we got to make sure that, you know, they're not depriving themselves of their own mugs. That's right. Well, the, the, the problem with that plan is the only place where you can get Hutton mugs is Hutton. So now you're going to have to go there. You're going to have to get it. You're going to have to leave, and you're going to have to spend the hour and a half to fly back and deliver it. Oh, but, no, my, no, my my plan was, oh, they already got them. Okay, I'm done then. I don't have to. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've already done multiple tricks out to Hutton up Orbital. I, there is no free anaconda. Um, hey, sh- lies, 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 lies. No, it's, it's not free. It's twenty five dollars, right? Twenty five credits. No, it's it is it is a hundred credits, and uh, yeah, it's. I find that hilarious that people still fall for that. They go out there and they're like, "There's no." It's like, guys, there's no large landing pad. How would you get it? It's not even physically possible. But you know. Okay, so real quick did anybody actually fall for that like back in the day before they before they oh yes they did no no i mean i mean people in like did anybody in here fall for it oh no i i wasn't nope. playing no, back no, no, in no. the day yeah nope either see i did not fall for it and the reason why i did not fall for it because i'm sitting there going 
There's no way in hell they would give us away a freaking free anaconda. <laughs> that was that was my. It had nothing to do with the fact that I'm sitting there going, and there's just not a large landing pad. I was like, they're not gonna give us a free anaconda. There's just no way. That was yeah. That, yeah. There you go. But when you here's the deal though. When you do get out to Hutton, uh, you've got you've got uh, Flossie and Psycho Cow and you know uh, Wilma Fingerdoo and uh, Rudolph Fucker, they all come out and they give you a hug and that's just as good as an anaconda in my book, so. I don't know. I don't even really yeah. like the anaconda. I might like the hugs better. See? Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Once you've had a flossy hug, you never go back. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, uh, that brings us up to the Thargoid Report. <clears throat> now, uh, I, I've committed that I will be giving you news on any interstellar initiatives and cgs that come up when we're back to having them but in the meantime i will keep you updated on the thargoid menace so thargoid report 16 january 3306 um, so last week thargoid forces were successfully pushed out of six systems across both the pleiades nebula and the witchhead nebula all incursion state systems were reported clear after as little as 50 hours, uh, the post-disaster evacuation service, along with independent pilots, were working diligently to uh, support multiple burning stations and got all of them clear. Uh, with the first wave of incursions subsiding, Operation Ida plans to swoop in and immediately begin repairs across the affected Pleiades systems for now. Good luck and Godspeed to those supporting and the repair and recovery efforts. There are no new incursion systems reported. We got every last one of those bugs, so good for you. Squashed. <clears throat> Beyond incursions, there are still large numbers of non-human signal sources that can be found throughout the Pleiades Nebula and the Witchhead Nebula. So for general Xeno combat at any time, get your ass down there and squish some bugs. There are new infestation systems, however. The following systems have been marked by the eagle eye in-game as under infestation. Unless sufficient Thargoid presence is destroyed within them, they will come under incursion next week. So we've got the Pleiades sector, DL-YD65. We've got HR-1183. We've got Electra. That's a very cool name for a system. We've got HIP-1185. We've got Tegeta, T-A-Y-G-E-T-A, and Wellington, W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. So, as an addendum, it appears as though we've scared off the Thargoids for this week. Despite the reports from Eagle Eye, no new incursion systems have spawned as of yet. <clears throat> Until an incursion system does a spa uh, spawn, does appear, there are currently zero burning stations. So those of you who are looking to do a little smoke jumping, you're going to have to wait for another week to do some rescue work. But uh, for now, we got it under control. System repairs, station repairs, rather. Joint Operation Ida as they undergo the mammoth task of rebuilding and repairing humanity station uh, to not only bring back vital infrastructure, but to also support the ongoing rescue and combat operations in these systems. So it is key that we fix these stations not only for the purpose of having them repaired but also so that the combat pilots have those station services so that they can most effectively fight back the Thargoid threat. 
the joint operation Ida Discord below. Uh, I've got the information uh, here for the Operation Ida Discord, the AXI Discord, as well as the knowledge base for both of them. So in the show notes, uh, if you look, it'll show you there's a clickable link and it'll take you right to their Discord or to their website so you can read how all of this works, what you can do to join. Then you click on the Discord, you go in, they'll help you get set up and get you started. Anybody uh, get any bug hunting activities? Anybody have any fun squishing bugs this last week or have anything that they, any cool stories they want to tell about bug squishing? I don't have any bug bug squishing stories. I do have a couple of, of elite stories I did this week, but you know. <laughs> no bug squishing for me. I've been killing NPCs left and right though. Yeah, uh, the only time that I've witnessed a bug has been uh, long before I was a part of this podcast. But uh, like I was playing with a friend of mine, and he got like one of those anonymous tip offs that told him to go to this like area, and we had found this like abandoned ship, and uh, we were just kind of flying around it. We were like, whoa! And then we like found like another thing that said go to here, so we went to here. And all of a sudden, I was just like, wait, what the hell is that? And, we were trying to shoot it, and of course we didn't know at the time, but obviously you got to have anti-Xeno weapons. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they are extra effective for sure. And you All definitely right. want to have a shutdown field neutralizer. All right. So so I just looked over at the uh, YouTube chat, and my buddy Cody's in there. And I'm going to tell the story real quick of the time that me and Cody went Thargoid hunting. So I'm, I'm working on my, my combat elite. And, uh, as I'm working on that, uh, Cody says, well, hell, I'll, I'll hop out there with you and we'll, we'll go do some Thargoid hunting together. I'm like, all right, cool. So I, um, we kitted him out of ship. I think it was, a uh, oh, what kind of ship? I, I think we, I think we got him a, an Alliance chieftain kitted out pretty quick. And Cody hadn't been playing the game real long. I'd say it was about maybe three or four months, maybe five, six, somewhere around there. <laughs> we fly all the way out to freaking Pleiades. We track down like a threat level six, a threat level seven or something like that. And we get in there and we're shooting these scouts and I'm telling them, all right, you gotta, you gotta avoid the, uh, uh, the, the dust, the, the dust clouds. Otherwise you get infected or you get caustic damage and you get poisoned or whatever, how you want to put it. <laughs> I mean, we get out there and we're flying around. <laughs> we get into the very first thing, very first thing. Cody's almost dead. I'm almost dead because I'm trying to help him out. I launched, I had a cost, I had a, a decontamination limpet on my uh, uh, chieftain. I launch it to try to help him out. He fly as soon as I get him decontaminated, he flies right through another one. I, I'm following him. I fly right through that one. And then. <laughs> All I can remember is him just going, man, this is some of that bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I was just laughing my ass off because we're having to haul ass to the damn station because I ran out of limpets like pretty quick because we kept flying through the shit and the damn Thargoids were kicking our ass. We get out, we did all, we did like, like an hour and a half, maybe two hours worth of work to get out there. We spend the maybe 10, 15 minutes doing it. And then, we go dock at the station to, to, to fix ourselves. And Cody goes, all right, well, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> the only thing I could think of as you're like telling me this is like, 
We've all seen Family Guy, right? Yeah. Kind of like the scene when uh, Cleveland's bathtub is sliding out the side of the house and he's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, man, that was a good, that was a good time, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck those bugs. You're exactly right, buddy. It was, uh, we had a good time, though, but. Well, so, you know, for for all of our listeners out there, you really want to get the opportunity yourself to, to get out there and see this part of the story. It's been gone for five months, so it's a big deal that it's back. It brings different aspects to the game. There's It brings the opportunity to level up your rep really fast with the uh, Federation or the uh, the Empire by doing the... Uh, Boo. The, the, the rescue the, missions. Rescue missions where, you, yeah, you get passengers off the, the burning ships and... Uh, burning stations rather and uh and i mean it just it just gives you an opportunity to see a real cool thing and and if you ask me this is not just back as a random thing this is back as the precursor it can stay a little random with some incursions here and there to begin with but this story is going to just ramp up and up and up and it's going to lead into the 2020 paid update where we're going to have a continuation of the Thargoid story, and we're going to have some some new relevant details. So I'm I'm very excited for this. Yeah, um, I was actually kind of excited when the Thargoids came back, and uh, I started dusting off that 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 cheat, and I was like, I'm starting to get the itch again. But the difference is this time. So the first time, all I had was the AX weapons. This time, I got Guardian weapons, and. I think it's time I go vi- I go visit my my Thargoid buddies again. Although I still believe that 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 we are we are the aggressors in this scenario, but that's a different story. Well, you know the the uh, I, I shared with you last week the uh, the Twitch or sorry the Twitter, and I'm going to actually add that to the show notes for Malik VR. Uh, he has an amazing long Twitter rant that goes on for like many 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 like 90 plus posts where he goes through the history of our encounters with the thargoid and why he believes like through each step of the way sort of we're the ones in in the wrong and and i'm not saying i necessarily subscribe to his uh his his full theory but it is an interesting theory and i feel like at least half of it has a lot of like weight behind it where it's like i could see that being the case for sure yeah. Well, what else you got for us, Kai? So I'm going to go ahead and push back because we're running late. I'm going to go ahead and push back the uh, creator, content creator of the week for this week because I do need to take a second and really, really hit something that came in the, the, the patch that happened differently than we, we thought we were going to get. I, I do want to say with regard to the patch and... You know, the patch came out on Tuesday. It, it created a bug of this stutter thing. They put out a patch on Wednesday. It, it, it fixed the stutter. For my money, and I know <clears throat> there's all kinds of people's different opinions, and you're entitled to whatever opinion you have on it. But for my mat, for my opinion, like number one, they gave us a patch that wasn't even just bug fixes. It had a good amount of bug fixes in it. It also had new content development. It had new Six system new states. states yeah. yeah, it had new system states, which we don't even know exactly how all that's going to play out. But it's just awesome that it that, that it had that. It had a new way that you could do like two different 
choices of of exploration like you could do it this way or you could do it that way with regard to doing the fss scanner for the geosites or going flying to them for the geosites it had you know the rebuy back on your crew member it had a, a lot of things on there that were even more than just simple bug fixes the one thing that came in that wasn't great was the stutter okay they fixed it a day later now and for our xbox brethren for our xbox brethren (laughs) you know you're still waiting and we we know but that's not that's not frontiers development's fault they put out a thing and they gotta wait until (laughs) xbox signs off on it they do they have to wait (laughs) okay you may i am i am a person that i am a supporter of fdev and i like them but let's be honest now if they hadn't introduced the bug they wouldn't have to wait right i well so i totally love fdev and i love this game (laughs) it's it's on on my top all-time games list you know but but when you're gonna put forth a new patch especially when it was beta tested Okay. You would expect for it not to have all these issues. So, so I, I will, I, I will take on board what you said, and I will agree, but I will point out that when they were beta testing it, they were trying to decide: Are we going to go with option A or option B for how you do the scanning? And what they decided was based on they had a massive amount of input from both sides. There were a lot of people saying. Do not make this change. We do not want this change. We like the current system. So what they did was they gave you both. And then they didn't run a second beta then test how both work. And so there was an unexpected consequence. But to have that, I played today. I played uh, on Wednesday uh, for many hours. Today I worked a lot, so I didn't get to play as much as I'd like. But Wednesday I worked for many hours, and it was good. It It was running smooth, so... Uh, for me personally, I think this patch was great and keep it up. I would very much like to see, I would very, very much like to see another patch like this, say, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, um, what do you call it? Another beta, say some point in, in, in February and then another patch like in, in, in March, April, and then, you know, and then you know uh, uh, May, June, see see the carriers. But uh, this is this was, as far as I'm concerned, good things. But I, I do want to get to the thing that I pushed off the creator uh, corner for for this week, which is the mining change. So the mining change, there was a lot of speculation back and forth on how it was going to work, and. <clears throat> I feel pretty much that my speculation was accurate with regard to the differences for the, um, what do you call it? The uh, supply and demand situation. And we also need, we're going to need a couple weeks to see how that plays out in the, in the midterm. And we're going to need just like a month or so to see how that plays out in the long term. But there is a second part to the mining change that was not uh, explained before, was not described um, sort of in the patch notes, really. This was a a separate thing that caught me as a surprise. And uh, I have a link to a a, uh, Reddit post 
from the elite miners that has an explanation and a detailed uh, analysis of it. But basically, um, so it happened exactly as described in the patch notes, but what nobody thought was that the prices vary from commander to commander. So this was something that nobody had expected. In every situation, uh, every station that has a max and min price for the commodity, uh, there is also a second variable, which is uh, that it will be further refined based on the amount that you personally have to sell. So the more demand is met, the price falls. We knew that was going to happen. This means that prices aren't the same for all, but they change according to what you want to sell and have in your cargo as you enter the station. This was something we did not know. So they did an in-depth test at Hopkins Terminal and Ross 71 system. They tested it on January 15th. And what they found was if you come into the station with 500 tons of painite and you look to sell them, in a hundred ton scale, you know, where you step it down as at a hundred ton, a hundred ton, you can uh, uh, get uh, offered six hundred and thirty six thousand five hundred and sixty three credits per ton for a total of three hundred and eighteen point two eight one million for for the full set. If you have four hundred tons, so a hundred tons less of painite. The offer price goes from 636.563 to 725.696. So you're you're basically getting just under a hundred thousand a ton more if you have less on you. If you have 300 tons, it's 814,829. So again, almost a hundred thousand more. If you have 200 tons, it goes up to 903. If you have a hundred tons, it's 931. So this particular system was in uh, what's that new state the 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 uh, holiday uh, public holiday public or, holiday yeah so they were offering even more top than dollar. what you would see as the previous top dollar the boom top dollar for uh, for painite normally you would see it go uh, as high as just under nine hundred thousand you would see it go to like eight eight ninety eight seventy in that range. This was going up to like 931, but only if you had 100 tons or less to sell. You know, if you had 200 tons, it, it went down to like right at 900,000. If you had 300, it went down to eight and change, 407 and change, 506 and change. So to give you an idea, if you sold 500 tons of painite, you know, you would make a total of 318, or excuse me, yeah, three hundred eighteen million two hundred eighty-one thousand five hundred. If you sold two hundred, uh, or sorry, three hundred tons, so you know three fifths as much, you would make two forty-four four forty-eight, so two hundred and forty-five million. Like this is something that we did not know was going to happen, and it, I, I guess when you think about it, it kind of. Uh, and I know some people might be glazing over like, oh, that's a lot of math, dude, like whatever. But like what this is saying here is imagine you go to a store and you want to sell them Beanie Babies and you say, look, I got a Beanie Baby here. I'll sell it for whatever, $20. I don't know why I picked Beanie Baby as a reference. <laughs> but, you know, I got I got a widget and I want to sell you one widget. I'll sell it for 20 bucks. They might say, fine. But if you show up and say, I've got a truckload of 10,000 widgets, 
they're not going to want to pay you 20 bucks per widget because they're like, dude, I'm buying in bulk. Cut me a deal. So what this is meaning to me, what this says to me is that while we're going to see, you know, the, the market continue to fluctuate and with the supply and demand, and we'll have to see how that plays out a little more. There's also a situation where this favors the smaller ships, smaller mining amount. So you could say like, hey, this favors void opals over, say, painite, because, you know, with void opals, you're normally going out, you're going core hunting, you're doing it in smaller ships, you're getting a smaller amount, and you're not staying out for, you know, qu quite as much time. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it's a situation where by getting smaller amounts, you know, you sell it for a higher profit margin per hour, but you have to factor in still the turnaround time of getting to and from the field, you know, to the sale position. So it's a weird, it's, it's a very weird, complicated mathematical formula where you're going to have to look and see for your time, how much it is, but it, it's very trippy to me that, you know, Ty and I can both go to the exact same station at the exact same time and, if he has 500 tons of painite and I have a hundred ton of painite, they're basically offering me per ton of painite, a, a massive amount more than they're offering him. They're offering me 931,370 credits per ton. They're only offering him 636,000 credits. They're offering me a full third more for mine than they're offering him. I think we're going to see, some different builds. We're going to see some people, maybe here's the other thing. This works based on a snapshot of what ton of what commodity you have when you dock. So we might start seeing uh, some very cool videos put out by some guys much smarter than myself that say like, Hey, I did this run. Here's what you do. You get uh, 300 tons of painite. 300 tons of right, uh, low right. temperature diamonds and the last uh, 120 tons, you get this material and right. based off, based off the yeah. math by breaking it up into the lower sections, you can still come in with the big mother ship, but it doesn't have all of one commodity because you're going right. to get what this says to me is they're promoting when I was void opal mining, I would pass over everything, everything that wasn't a void opal. Now it might be more profitable to get those low temperature diamonds, to get that Brahma light, to get whatever and sell a hundred tons of each. And you might find you make out a little better in the long run. That's exactly what I was going to say that, that it, it, it sounds to me like a situation where you're, you'd be better off going in and having like a hundred tons of this, a hundred tons of that. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Tweaked. Um, let me ask you this: Tweaked. How do you think that this change is going to affect the BGS, or do you think it's going to affect it at all? I don't really think it's going to have a huge effect, other than if my station is one that, for some reason, is selling. If we're in public holiday and we're selling void opals for 1.8 mil, I'm willing to bet we're going to get a lot of random commanders coming in to sell. Mm -hmm. for a little while and that will give an inst if we own the station it will give an instant boost to our influence if we don't own the station it'll boost whoever it does and could have conflicts or whatnot happen as a result 
So you may actually see some some side effects you're not even expecting with it, huh? Oh sure, sure. I'm I'm curious. Like I said, the BGS is always affected by everything. So everything they put in like this, in one way or another, is going to have an effect on the BGS. Yeah, and and, and here's the thing too. Like we haven't even quietly. So so this is this is kind of like one of those things where when they did the beta test, I think the beta test was up for like four or five days. I don't think it was even up for an entire week. And I kind of would have liked them have I kind of would have liked to have seen them do a couple different iterations of the beta. Like this is up for three or four days, and then like the like with the uh, uh, expiration change that kind of caused the stutter. It would have been like to I would I would have enjoyed it better if they had a couple of different iterations of it kind of floating around, and maybe there's some probably stuff on the back end. Yeah, probably would have. There's probably some stuff on the back end that affects that that we don't know about. Um, but when I think about you know you know we're doing these beta tests and and yeah they did respond really quickly to fix it, and we're in a situation now where we're kind of waiting on Microsoft and Sony to approve it or whatever. But if they kind of had gotten in front of it to begin with, we may not have, we may not have had the problem, and they could have they could have done like a like a like a like a 48 hour beta test for us over the weekend, and we we would have gave them the answer. You know, flip side of that is that I'm curious how many people actually participate in the beta test. I don't know what their numbers right. are. Right, that's the other part of it. Yes, uh, it's entirely possible this thing was implemented, and because it was it's it's a sheer volume situation where they weren't ready for it, but. Uh, and that's kind of how I look at this mining change is that uh, they did this change. We're not entirely sure of the volume of how it could have affected everything in the long run until it actually gets, goes into effect. And we won't even know the, the total effects of this mining change for months to come until the, kind of the market settles settles down. Right. So, yeah. So the, the one part of the market change, like I said, exactly right. We're going to see – so we're going to see the, the market shift – in a series of stages, we're going to see, you know, the, the first week and then we're going to see like two, three weeks. And then we're going to see the, like if you have a snapshot of, you know, this week and then two weeks out and then I think it's going to be in out. constant flux. I think the market's going to constantly be shifting. Well, yeah, but out. but what we already know. So the, the one part of it is the supply and demand and how that's going to affect things now. So on the plus side. This new background system state of holiday has now increased the total value that you can be getting. So from, from like I said, from, you know, void opals being capped at 1.6 mil, you know, you can get over 2 mil for void opals if you get the right system state and you have the right amount or whatever. And but, you want to fly far <laughs> enough to get there. Yeah. But the, the additional part of this is, is a more like sort of ignoring the market, the second half of this, the part that I've just discussed here, it's going to permanently change. If, if this sticks and this is the way it's going to be going forward, it's going to permanently change and make for more dynamic markets because like before Tweak was saying, he used to just be like, oh, look, there's low temperature diamonds. I don't care. It's not void opals. I'm just getting void opals. Now there is an incentive to diversify what you're collecting. I think we're going to see because you don't see void opals uh, in in your your uh, um, paintite market. In your, well, you don't see void opals in your paintite uh, hot spots, and, and, and vice versa. So what I find interesting because you do sometimes see low temperature diamonds 
in your so you're going to see low temperature diamonds in your void opal spots. Now, I think you might see a new holy trinity arise where people say, okay, I'm going for void opals, low temperature diamonds. So like 300 avoid or, or, or whatever avoid, whatever of LTD, and then maybe a third that we are not using now that we say like, oh, we're now going to start farming that up and we're going to go with these three. Or maybe because they're core ships, they're smaller, you could just go 50-50. But for sure, on the Painite side, I think we're going to see multiple things pop up where people say, okay, I'm not just getting Painite, I'm getting Painite and this and this. Or we'll maybe see different builds where people are going to trade out one of their cargo racks for another collector to say, look, I can collect it faster and I don't, I'm not trying to fill up with 522 anymore, 512 plus 10 in the, in the refinery. I'm aiming for 256 in half the time, because if I can get half the amount in half the time, like if I can keep half the amount, half the time, so that my, my tons per hour is the same i'm effectively getting one third higher profit well or point to, oh go ahead or though so they'll either go that route or they'll go the route of saying i'm going to stay out for just as long but i want to diversify and i'm not just going to get painite i'm going to get painite plus commodity b plus commodity c and that means that you're now moving around more when you sell you're not just going to you know, I'm going to jump 12 jumps, get to this spot, sell all 522. You're going to get to this jump 12 jumps away. You're going to sell 200. So all of your pay night, 200. And then you're going to jump four steps away and say, okay, now I'm going to sell all of my commodity B here. And then three jumps away, I'm going to sell all of my commodity C here. It's making this entire process. It, yes, it's slower. Yes, it's going to lower your total credits per hour but it's making the whole thing sort of more dynamic and more like a real economy. And a real economy- Also opens up more opportunity to get pirated too, if you're playing in open. That's true. In a real economy, you know, you're not going to, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're got a truck full of stuff and you're, you're like, okay, I've got computers, I'm taking that to Best Buy. And then I've got, you know, toilet paper that I'm taking to Costco. And then I've got whatever. Like you're making, you're not going to to one stop to drop off all the stuff. You're going, you're making multiple stops. So it's interesting. Well, a point I was going to try to bring up too is, because uh, you know, you we already have like the typical mining ships that people use and stuff like that. But I think another thing that's going to arise out of this too is, uh, maybe people downsizing their ships so they had they have that less space, but they have a little more maneuverability. Yeah, that's Possibly. that's actually something I was going to suggest too. That there's a very Judging by what we're what we're seeing here, um, it, I'd put money that this is going to be a situation where we're going to see medium. Well, two things. I kind of think that we're going to see um, uh, kind of mining become, you know, because a lot of people kind of have a ship that can do core mining and surface mining. I think it'd be more a situation where you're just a surface miner or you're just a core miner. It won't be a situation where you're doing both. Um, and I, I think agree. it'll be, I think it'll be a situation where you'll have a smaller ship, probably like 200 tons and you won't be passing by, uh, like if you're, if you're a core miner, you won't be passing by anything that has a core in it. I think you'll, I think you'll get the LTDs and yeah, I, I'd, you'll be cracking all the rocks you see. Yep. Right. Right. And we might see with, if you were to combine 
Number one, the fact that this is more dynamic going on supply and demand. Number two, the holiday state. What if you found a system, you know, you, you check EDDBIO or you check an R and you say, well, you know, 12 jumps out, there's a system that's actually paying a ridiculously high price for Alexandrite. And for once, when I see an Alexandrite core, I'm not going to be throwing my controller down and yelling Mm -hmm. at the TV. I'm going to be hitting that up because I'm actually able to get a very good price for it. Which also will make mining less less mind-numbing, in my opinion, because my least favorite part of core mining is the time in between void opal rocks where you're searching for 10, 15 minutes for the next void opal rock. That drives me nuts. So now if I can find this rock that's got LTDs or this rock that's got bromelite or alexandrite, I can stop at each of them, and it keeps me more engaged. Yeah. And, and, and so let me ask you this. We're all kind of in the agreement that this is probably a good change overall. Like nobody's sitting around going, oh, this sucks. This makes it horrible, right? No, I think it's fine. I think it makes it more realistic, which to me is what FDev has been going for this whole time with this game. That's why we all love Elite Dangerous as opposed to No Man's Sky. It's a space simulation. Amen, brother. Well, um, I think that's it, right, Kyle? Am I missing anything? Uh, that's, yeah, that's it for my, I, I, there was a couple other things, but I think we're going to hold them for next week because we're, we're going over, but I do want to, uh, once again, throw it out there to everyone. Um, you know, they're going to go through the Twitter and, you know, obviously you've got the email and this, that, and the other, but for sure, for sure, for sure, everyone hit up tinyurl.com forward slash loose screws podcast with no spaces. Come join the family, see what's going on. You're going to see stuff posted all the time and you get, you know, you get a little shout out or something. You get some news on stuff. Just today, a very cool site was posted for people to go to explore and you're going to get hot news fresh as it happens. And I'm done. All righty. Well, that is going to bring us to story time with old man Ty. Which is a new segment. With old man we need some music for this, don't we? We need some. We need some. <laughs> I would just write just like a little, just like a, a nice little like bass groove, just doo-doo. like a 1980s jingle. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, okay, okay. Let me let me stop right here. Tweak, did you listen to last week's episode yet? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, what did you think of story time with old man Ty last week? Just get, just get, just right now. Give me the, give me your honest opinion. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it's a great opportunity for people to find something new in the galaxy to go look at. There's all kinds of things out there that we're not that all of us are not aware of. And this just brings awareness to a new thing that if I get on, I'm like, hey, I kind of want to see that for myself and didn't know it was there. And look, it's only 100 light years away. I can easily go do that. You know, it's I think it's a great segment. Well, so story time with old man Ty this week, we are going to cover something called dav's hope now if you're watching the live stream right now you already see my beautiful beautiful vet uh nothing but the rain sitting over at uh dav's hope and dav's hope has one of the more interesting stories in this game that's right cody old man ty um so dav's hope is an abandoned settlement on and it's located in Hyades Sector DR-V C2-23, and it's planet A5. And if you 
go to this system and you launch the uh, the uh, surface probe, you'll quickly find the human signal labeled Dav's Hope. You can land on it. So there's a couple things here. One, there's a story. And two, there's this is a really good place for engineering mats. A lot of people come here for engineering mats. A lot of people don't necessarily know that there's a really well-crafted, interesting story here that could almost be its own little mini-game, really. Um, so, this whole thing, the story of Dav's Hope, took place in May of 3286. Now, everybody paying attention, this is 3306, so this was, a, this was 20 years ago. Um, so the storyline goes that that abandoned stations, this whole thing has been sitting here for 20 years, um, which is kind of crazy to think about really. So on May 23rd, 3286, uh, foreman James Franklin of mining team six reported in to base saying they heard some crashing noises and after they felt a quake. They lost comms to base, so they couldn't get a hold of base, though. Uh, James decided to take his team over to Shaft 48, where there was a landline and they could reach base. A little while later, they reached Shaft 48 and tried to call to base, but there was no answer. They couldn't get through. Franklin made the James Franklin then made the decision to evacuate Section 4, but it was too late as all the access terminals had collapsed in the quake. Um, back at Dav's Hope, site coordinator Lucy Minot uh, learned of the quakes and contacted her survey teams, and they reported to her that there were cave-ins. They also reported that Team 6 didn't report in at the shift change and are probably trapped. Uh, so, Lucy reports to her corporate liaison, Nicholas Baker, for permission to shut down the mining operations and to pull the teams out. Baker refuses, citing how much money the corporation will lose by shutting down. Uh, Lucy re reports to Baker of miners lost and possibly trapped, and she decides to ready a search and rescue. Um, the next day, Baker orders her to stand down as the team is considered, uh, an acceptable lost. I'm sorry, an acceptable loss. I can't talk. So three days later, uh, the corporation sends out an order to Lucy to shut the site down and evacuate immediately, immediately. Baker sends another order to Lucy agreeing and also orders her to detonate explosive charges in the mine and collapse the site. Uh, Lucy, uh, <laughs> Lucy responds saying there's still 20 people trapped in the mine and she refuses to blow the charges. Uh, Baker sends a response saying my responsibility is to this corporation and shareholders. There are plenty more miners to take their place and yours for that matter. If you won't follow orders, we'll just find someone else that will. Um, 
And that's the end of the story right there. Because we don't quite know everything that happened. We know that the site was evacuated. And because there's no caves around it, we kind of assume that the that uh, Lucy blew the charges and evacu evacuated. It's pretty clear that the miners evacuated uh, pretty quickly because there's equipment and parts everywhere. This is this is kind of one of those classic cases where uh, you know corporations are more concerned with what um, with you know financial things versus doing what's right. And um, you know Baker, uh, you know Baker's playing the you know the typical corporate stooge. The most interesting thing about this story to me, and the way you get the story, is that you there are points inside the station. If you're watching the live stream, you can see them, and you scan them just like you do anything else, and you get the story. What's creepy about Dav's Hope is that as you're driving around, there's engineering parts lying around, and you can scan this little data point over here and kind of hear the whole story. Well, this is actually a uh, engineering one right here. But so the way the story is told is kind of told back and forth between uh, the foreman, uh, Lucy and Baker. It, it's all just a great big email exchange. So you kind of have to kind of piece the story together. We don't really know if Minnow immediately or if Lucy e immediately evacuated the site when the corporation told her. We don't know if she blew the charges. We don't know if the team eventually was rescued. For all we know, they were destroyed and they're down there right now. Um, and that's kind of what's really cool about Dav's Hope is that there's a lot of stuff we just don't know. I got too close to my ship here. So the way that this whole thing kind of plays out with Dav's Hope is that this is also kind of one of those things that where, where Elite Dangerous shows the way the galaxy is. In that they are really and truly all about corporations. People are a they're not an asset. They're just a commodity. They're they're expendable. Um, 100%. Lucy kind of plays Lucy kind of plays the heroine in the sense that she's trying to do what's right for the people that work for her. But we don't really know if she rescued them or not. We know that she was threatened by corporate. We know that she um you know, protested a few times to say, no, we don't, we're not going to do this. And then eventually we know the, the site was abandoned and there's no sign whatsoever of, of, you know, did they, did they, you know, actually abandon it? Did they, well, did they actually leave those people behind? Did they blow the charges? We just don't really know. And, um, it's kind of cool to think about the fact that there could be, you know, bodies of guys buried beneath all this. Yeah, there is so much great lore hidden in this game if you want to go find it. Yeah. So much of it. 
so to me this this is this this uh this whole story basically i think you're describing the uh the wayland Dutani corp from from the movie aliens they're literally (laughs) they've got a spreadsheet out and they're looking at it and going yeah it's gonna cost this much to rescue these guys they're down there hey just cover up the through the thing let's get out of here yep and if you're watching the live stream right now i'm going through the process um to collect everything uh because there's this is a really good place for uh, level three and four uh, manufactured mats. In fact, this was. And you, go ahead. And you also get you also get data from the beacon as well. Yeah, but yeah. That, yeah, you beat me to it there. So the other really cool thing about this place is the way this was the very first time that I can re- <coughs> excuse me that I can remember that I felt a sense of scale. And driving around in your SRV, well, first of all, flying over it in your ship, even if it's just a sidewinder, flying just over an SR, or flying over it in a ship, you get a sense of scale just from the size of the buildings. But when you're driving around in your SRV, and you kind of pull up to like this building right here that I just pulled up to. This is effectively someone's house, or this is a research station, or this is a, you know, a, a, a place where they process minerals or whatever. And then you kind of, you kind of get the feeling that this is, like, you kind of, you, you get a sense for sense of scale that you just don't get anywhere else in the game, flying around in space. And when you land your ship. Beside the station, you kind of are beside the supplement, and you see how big it is, and you see how massive it is. And like I'm in my vet right now, and I'm actually going to recall my vet. And I'll give you guys an idea here, just for just for uh, you know measurement. You know, like like I said, this is someone's house. This is someone's you know place that they go to work in. This is someone's whatever. I, we don't even know what some of these buildings actually are, but. This was a whole operation. They talked about mining team six had 20 people in it. So you got to think if there's, if there were only six teams, that by itself is there's 120 people. So 120 people were were here, at least. And we don't know if they had families here. We don't know if they had, if there were more teams than just six. We just we don't really know. The other thing we don't really know is is we don't really know what corporation this was. I spent some time looking around to try to figure it out, and I can't find anywhere where they list the corporation that Dav's Hope is attached to. And the thought across my mind, maybe they just buried it. Like, you know, uh, you know, did F, I don't know if FDF buried it, or if it's more of a situation where the corporation kind of buried it. Uh, I mean, it, it, based on their actions it's it, the situation is like this is a liability this is a cost we're not willing to whatever leave i'm sure it's take all the records we're going to delete the stuff and no one's ever going to find this rock floating right. out in space yeah. these guys burn are it and it never happens that's right yeah yeah but i mean you can kind of so see we... you can kind of see my 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 vet here and then you see the srv and you can see the buildings and this gives you a very good sense of scale and this is when I first pulled up to, to Dav's Hope and saw 
the sheer size of things and it really gave me because i pulled up in an anaconda the very first time that really gave me a, a very good sense of scale for everything and it really kind of blew my mind so if you haven't been here you should come here to get an idea because it's number one you should come here for the mats because everybody needs mats number two you should come here for the for the story and for the sense of scale so on story time this week come out to dav's hope collect some mats and get yourself a screenshot in front of what I'm looking at right here, which is the little archway where you scan the data beacon and underneath it, it says Dav's Hope. And that's another what you're going to look, one what one thing to look forward to because you're here. Um, you know, I know we all have our gripes and stuff about space legs and blah, 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 but it's just like, okay, you get the sense of scale of driving around this in an SRV and thinking about how many people are actually here. Well, imagine what it's going to be like when you can actually, like, if you can actually, like, walk around Dav's Hope. And and get into the buildings and open yeah, it up and see. I was going to say another thing too is like potentially enter the buildings. Like, what if what yep, if you go in there and you amazing. open up a you open up a desk drawer and you find a guy's like a note written to his wife like you know okay I'm gonna Ooh, go down into the mines and the war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It, Just be careful though if you go to Dab's Hope because it is a known ganker spot. So yeah, always yeah. keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. So I, when you go ahead. I am in private group right now specifically because I have been here plenty of times in open though, but I didn't want to get blown up on live stream because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the guy. Snipe. Yeah, I don't want to get the guy. I don't want to be the guy that gets blown up on live stream. So, uh, <laughs> but. so I, I've been to Dab's Hope many times in open, and I have not had problems with gankers. I have multiple times shown up and met somebody down there, or. I'm doing my loop, and when I'm doing it, someone rolls up in their SRV, and they're like, hey. And I say, you know, hey, Commander, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to jump to private group and let you have the spot. It's totally cool. You know, 07 Commanders, you do a nice little salute. It's nice when you – I like living my life in open. I like uh, yeah, yep. seeing people out there. I play exclusively there. in open. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those situations where, you know, it, it, it makes for fun. But I will tell you. With the resource gathering sites, that's one of the few times I will jump into solo or to private group just because if, 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 if I show up and, you know, there's somebody else there, I'm not trying to hassle them. I'm not trying to compete with them for the resources. I'll just be well, like, all right, you know, have a good one. Do, I'm going to go into this to other To do place. the mats the right way at Dab's Hope, what you really need to do, though, is you need to go around, collect them all. You, you drive your little loop around, collect them. And then you board flip, and you go yeah. from open to solo, and then you go around, you collect them all again, and then you board flip again, and you collect them all again. So you don't you don't even need to board flip and go. You don't need to change modes for that. I, I do it. I've done it all the time. Where I'll go in open, and then if I come across people, I'll switch to solo, and then I'll just do ten or twelve laps all in solo. And for those just watching, what you're seeing is Ty is going through all of the spots. Because when you first come here, what you want to do is download all of the data to unlock because it tells you, A, the story, which is cool. But B, it also like fully unlocks and populates the place so that when you come here from now on, you'll see Dab's Hope will pop right up and you can come right down to it. Um, and then every time from now on, when you do your loop, 
You drive through the loop around the town. You will collect 10 manufacturing mats. Um, and then at the end of the loop or the beginning, whatever is your preference, you want to hit the orange cone that's right by the sign that says Dab's Hope, the little finish line where everyone should be taking their pictures for hashtag story time. Um, you want to hit that uh, with your data sensor so that you can uh, collect the, uh, the data mat, which is where Ty is going right now. Which I actually, when I did it, I got classified scan data banks, so. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too shabby. But that is story time with Ty this week. Um, again, I, I, I really like Dab's Hope. I spent a fair amount of time here. It gets, if, if you get to where you're bored of it, like put on a Netflix and just do the lap. I am, for whatever reason, having a really hard time finding point number five right now. Apparently, I've scanned all these. I don't know why I'm having a problem having find point number five. But you'll find it because you people are smart and I am not. But <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why I'm having a problem finding it right now. I've Ty, looked Ty, them all up. Look, look, it's the only one that's still the square behind you. There you go. That no, one. I just scanned it. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, I just, I, I already got it. So one, two, three, four. Yeah, I got them all now. Okay, cool. Beauty. <laughs> Quick note, side effect of working so much BGS, it's made Dav's Hope obsolete for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're always getting so those. Yeah. I'm On the missions, I'm constantly getting grade 5 biotech conductors or exquisite focus crystals, which I can then use to trade down. So I'm almost always full on those. But I also put a collector limpet on my vet. So anytime I do a assassination mission... I kill the pirate and I collect his mats. Or at the end of a CZ, I send my limpets out and I collect those mats. And after a month or two of just normal gameplay BGS, I'm full on most of my manufactured mats. I just yeah. have to go fill up on the raw. And scan every ship. Every ship you see in space, scan it, and you'll find yourself full on the data a lot, too. You really For will. Sure. Sure. Um. But I think that's going to conclude story time with Old Man Ty. Old Man Ty. But I do want to do this one. If you're watching live stream, I want to do this one thing real quick. Just kind of show everybody. Because, again, this place is great for scale. And I am stuck on something, apparently. Great. Good job. There we go. Here's my landing gear that was stuck. Little tip. If you're ever stuck, uh, work your landing gear a few times. You always get unstuck. So... I would just, and this is really bad for podcasts, but I'm going to do it real quick for uh, right, so live what stream. Doing is he's essentially just turning around and <laughs> going back to right where he was driving around. And I mean, I remember when he landed here, I was like, this place is like really tiny. What the hell? But then he gets out in the SRV and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's not so small anymore. <laughs> yeah, it gives a really good sense of scale. And so. Uh, yeah, what you notice is that the, the the little settlement here is not tiny. It's just his ship is that massive. Yeah. Yeah. His ship is basically a floating uh it's a it's it's a floating like two football fields. It's it's you're you're talking about almost an aircraft carrier just kinda hanging out. Yeah. You got your vet out there, it's a mini star destroyer, right? Mm, I, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, so that's it for that, for that, and we are going to be moving on to emails this week. And actually, that's not entirely true, because uh, 
we're actually not doing an email from this week. We're doing an email from, I believe, two weeks ago now. And we're going to be talking about DJ Wiley's email. Shout out to Wiley. So he'd send us a really well-worded, really well-thought-out uh, email. And I thought about getting him on the show to talk about it. But the problem is that he's, you know, one of these Europeans. And because he's one of these Europeans... Uh, he has like really Schedule's weird. Schedule's always different. Yeah, I mean, clearly the Earth is flat, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if if he would just uh, admit that, then we wouldn't have to worry about time, uh, time, uh, time zones and stuff. So, but um, I, number one, I appreciate you sending this in. But there's like 13 things here I'm going to uh, go over real quick. So what he's talking about here is straight up balance or balance slash adjustments to the game itself. And uh, let me just lay my ship real quick so I don't crash. All right. So and I'm going to move this over here so I can actually read the damn thing. All right. So number one, balance credit earning. Mining is by far the most profitable activity. Exploration got a bit of a buff. With the FSS changes last December, and I don't think it's too far off what needs to be done, but most other activities such activities such as trading, smuggling, missions, and combat in general pay out far too little. You said on a recent show, you said on a recent show that other activities should be increased without nerfing them. I wholeheartedly agree with this. I think we're at a point now where with mining it's balanced, but I still think I think overall combat needs some sort of boost. I still feel like, yeah, I know there's combat missions that pay pretty well. They don't pay in the ballpark as well as other things. And you could argue that uh, uh, bounty hunting is the most dangerous. What I would honestly like to see them do with bounty hunting, I would like it to make it to where you, if you're after someone's after someone, when you destroy their ship, they have ejected. If you take the time to collect their escape pod, and then you go turn it in at the station where the bounty was valuable. Well, now all of a sudden you get far more money. And that would be, that would be really, that, I mean, you get, they already have the tech, the tech in the game to, to do this because you can pick up escape pods every now and then. I think that'd be a great way to change it. Um, you know, basically leave the amount of money you get right now from, um, bounty hunting alone but make it to where you can collect their escape pot and then go turn it in i think that would be a really cool way to change it what it would definitely think? be interesting i do a lot of pve combat personally and as long as i'm doing massacre missions i'm making good money because i can get 25 30 40 50 million credit missions to do in a wing but yeah bounty hunting i mean if you're if you kill an elite bat or anaconda or something you might get 250,000 credits even a capital ship in a high intensity conflict zone pays out 500,000 credits yeah so you could definitely get a little more out of that stuff i think yeah kai what you think man yeah i mean that sounds great i like the idea so what i like the idea is of is having like some sort of options and uh some dynamic interactions so i like the idea of of, like you said, you know, you scoop up uh, a, a capsule and then maybe there's a situation where you have some choices of you, you take that capsule and you can sell it back for ransom to whatever faction they, they come from, or you can sell it as uh, intel to the faction that 
you know, that you're doing the mission for. Um, I also like the idea of uh, when you sort of explode a pirate ship or whatever, there should be, um, I feel like there should be some materials and such. Yeah, there should be some loot, some valuables that drop. uh, So you could go a couple ways with it. You could say he's got cargo that drops, but you could also say that uh, maybe there's a module or some way that you now have a a data core that you can you can like scan his data core and maybe he has you know a uh, some sort of a a map to a location where his hideout was where you have you know you can go there get out in your SRV and 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 uh find some some loot or you know like there there's all kinds of of different ways you could do that i understand that a lot of these would would require a significant amount of more work so yeah, as a short-term interim fix, I like the idea of cargo drops or uh, and or uh, the the escape pod drops, and you can just turn that into e- for easy money. There's yeah. other story ideas and hooks that they could use with that though going forward in in future uh, content expansions. Draven, knows what you think, bud? I mean, Kai pretty much covered it all. Uh, <laughs> was very well worded and probably better than what I could have said it. All right, number two here. Um, have a reason to visit non-scoopable stars when out of the black, such as red dwarves. Everyone ignores them when exploring, and since they're mapped to exclude them, they basically only have icy bodies and not much else of interest. Maybe have some sort of bio-geosites or stellar phenomena that can only be found there. It would be interesting to see the galaxy explored percentage excluding these systems. So I'm going to say I... I, I didn't I I do not plot that way specifically because when I was uh, well I say not every single time but uh, the last time I was out exploring I was looking for the types of planets I had never seen or had never discovered before and I wanted to have my name on those planets and those uh, and be able to be the first uh, uh, surface map and stuff so I was targeting stars that I wasn't used to. I was targeting black holes and stuff that I wasn't necessarily used to. So, uh, I also kind of feel like that this is something that they, uh, the FDF kind of dipped their toe in a little bit with the, uh, Lagrange clouds and the, uh, uh, life forms in them. And I would like to have seen them do a little more. Um, Draven, us what you think, bud? Uh, I mean, to his point, like, because, like, yeah, you had that mission goal and you went out with a bigger ship, but I was exploring, I think it was, uh, oh, the BAM, not the Ass Explorer, but, uh, it left me as soon as I was trying to say it. Diamondback Explorer? Thank you, BX. Diamondback Explorer, good God. But, um, like, that's a small, pretty small tank, so it's just like, if I'm taking, like, a long jump, I don't want to jump to like a red dwarf star or anything like that, because it's like, well, that one jump could cause me to have to call the fewer rats, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. What you think, Kai? I love it, man. I, I like the idea of different interactions, you know, and we may see that coming up in the future with, uh, you know, maybe those stars are scoopable for carriers. You know, maybe carriers run on a different type of, type of thing where you, you can't, what if, what if you can't 
uh, scoop carrier, like you can scoop carriers, but only on the stars that are non-scoopable to regular ships. And that that could add some some variation there. The other thing that has been really playing in my mind for a good chunk of today while I was on the road, I thought, man, I would like to see them do something interesting and meaningful with the asteroid fields. There's so many times where we have, you, you see the system map and, you know, right by the main star, there's like two sort of asteroid fields that no one ever goes to. And then, you know, everybody just goes to the rings around, you know, the ring planets. What if either you, you could do stuff with gas mining uh, on, on gas giants, or you could do stuff with a special kind of scoop on the other uh, types of stars. Um, <clears throat> what if we were to find out that, um, you know, Thargoids or, or, or the, the uh, uh, Guardian Tech AI, whatever, what if they interact with different stars than we do because they have a different type of technology? There's, there's tons to do with those. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting. Tweak, do you have anything on this one? No, I think it's all pretty much been said. That, and I'm not a big explorer, but anytime there's a chance for new content or new new styles of gameplay because of something, I think it's a positive. So, number three here, um, white dwarves are pointless. Uh, 50% boost versus 300% boost for neutrons, plus they're more dangerous. I actually have a YouTube video where I crashed into one because I was not paying attention. Um... At the moment, people just avoid them. I would suggest buffing them to round 150-200. Neutrons will still be superior, but there will at least be a reason to use white dwarves. I'm I'm still not okay. So so when you fuel scoop from a star and you're trying to boost off of it, what you're well, first of all, when you fuel scoop from a star, what you're actually gathering is hydrogen. Um, at least I think that's what you're gathering is is hydrogen, and because that's effectively what the fusion reactors in our uh, ships use. And I think I saw that actually in the module description of the power uh, power plant. Uh, but I'm completely wrong because one of the, that might have been on the, on the ship, on, on the station version, I can't remember now. Anyway, um, so I think that they base that upon the amount of hydrogen that the star is emitting. But I'm not entirely sure that white dwarves are emitting, or, may, or have a composition, rather, not necessarily emitting, have a composition that is less hydrogen that would account for that. Um, in my mind, like, we don't quite have a good uh, lore scientific explanation for how the FSD works. So I think that I would, I don't know about the way they boost here, but I would rather have a more comprehensive explanation for how the FSD actually functions, like the science behind the FSD. Like a good example is like with Star Trek, they have a lore explanation for the warp drive, which is based upon a real scientific theory that has yet to be proven. But it's plausible, you know, mathematically it's been proven, but it's, it's not been proved, you know, like we don't have ships that can travel at warp speed but it is plausible. Um, I, I, I would like to see the uh, Elite Dangerous lore explanation for how FSD works and for how uh, fuel scooping works and how you can boost and all that. 
what you think on this this one, Draven? Us anything? Uh, well, I mean, I've never used them, but I didn't even realize that it was that big of a difference. Like, holy crap! Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal. What you think there, Kai? So this one's an interesting one because it came by accident. So when they were doing it, the 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 the, the white dwarves were supposed to be fifty percent, and the neutron was supposed to be thirty percent. But when they put it in on the beta test and they put it out there for folks, somebody literally fat fingered it. And instead of putting 30, they put 300. And when they saw the mistake, they were like, oh, guys, we screwed that up. We're going to go ahead and change that back to 30. And it was a tidal wave of salt of everyone going, no, you have to leave it at 300. We like it at 300. So they were kind of like, well, shit i guess everybody wants this we'll give it to them that's why there's this weird disparity between the two where one is you know 50 percent, and one is 300 literally six times as much um that was not an intended consequence and as a result it makes the interplay between the two of them kind of seem unbalanced yeah um i i i feel like I like it. I think it's interesting. You don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need neutron boosting. You don't need white dwarf boosting. You but shut your damn mouth. <laughs> I, hey, let me finish. Never used it. You don't need it. You can go without it. But I like that it offers just neat flavors of different ways to do things. I don't really care on the numbers. If one of them is 300% and if they were to change the other one to 500% or if they yeah. were to leave it at 50 it's just new flavors it doesn't really change my life too much one way or the other they're, they're still going to make sure the things that you can get you can get to the things that you can't get to because they don't want you to get to if you up it from from 50% to 500% they're just going to lock more stuff so that you can't get where they don't want you to go this is not a huge difference to me i like the flavor that it has already and if you wanted to play with it a little bit because people were just wanting say well we don't like that one's 50 percent, one's 300 we want them to be you know 200 and 300 or you know 300 each or 300 and 400 what like whatever knock yourself out i think it's cool see for me like i said i i, I really wish that if we had a better explanation of how like you know a better lore explanation for how the whole system worked i think that we... i would also just add that i don't think every star has to have a purpose like that either sometimes a star is just a star and there's nothing we can do with it so yeah. i don't always need them to be for boosting and everything else yeah, yeah for sure some of the some of the most interactive you know interesting stars i have is when you jump across and so for for newer players you, you can scoop off of KGB foam. So if it says it's a star type K, star type G, star type B, right, F, O, right, right, A, right. or M, KGB foam is the easy way to remember. You can always scoop. If it's not KGB foam, uh, you know those huge, massive ones that you see out in the Hades, uh, the Hades sector where it's like the big, big red ones that are not, I forget which type they are, but they're not any of a scoopable. They're massive. You get within... You know, if you even look at one, you're overheating. God forbid if you dream about one in a mamba, you just explode. Uh, like <laughs> those stars, they have no good use for me. They have no good purpose for me. 
but they are definitely meaningful interaction because as soon as I jump into one, you see me like scurrying to your controls. I'm, yes. Yeah, I'm like a dog. <laughs> I'm like a dog on the carpet, like scooting back <laughs> because it's like, holy shit, this is bad news. Danger, Will Robinson. So, like, I like that this is a sort of a uh, accurate representation of the universe. And the fact of the matter is, is in our universe and in our galaxy, there are many bodies, whether they're moons or stars or asteroids that we can interact with in, in the future. Once we get to this point in technology and we can do things with, and there's going to be many others that don't give a damn about us and are there to crush us like bugs. If we get too close to them, and that's meaningful as well in, in the other way of like, hey, avoid this. Yeah. So I, I think it's cool as it is. But anything that they can do to add more interactions, whether it's positive or negative, I'd like to see more good things to do. And I'd like to see more dangerous things to avoid. I, I, I dig it all. So I'm actually going to roll uh, number four and number five kind of together real quick. And uh, number four, or does anybody bother with subsurface deposits or displacement missiles? It seems like there's currently no real point nope. in them. They're an interesting idea, which <laughs> is a shame. Maybe there should be some materials that can only be mined via subsurface deposits. And although I love them, overlapping painite and LTD hotspots make the effort involved in core mining feel not worthwhile. You can get similar or better credits per hour with less effort laser mining overlapping hotspots i don't think this is right core mining should be on top i don't know if either mining should necessarily be on top but i and i think i think they're all going to change now too exactly i I think we're we're definitely seeing so i think they've already gotten to his point number number five as far as the yeah it's definitely going to be changing core mining will be on top I I disagree, Ty, with when you said neither should be on top. I feel that core mining should definitely be on top because of the two, core mining takes much more effort. As someone who in literally in the month of December, uh, I farmed up 25 billion credits while watching Babylon 5 on my second screen in pay night. Yeah, that takes no effort at all. I had to yeah. now when I was void opal mining, which I, I, I have done as well, <clears throat> you know, I had to be watching like a hawk. I could not be really meaningfully watching a show. I would play a podcast, but I could not watch a show on the second screen. So I think core mining should for sure be on topic because it takes more work. And I think that after the, the, the changes that we've just seen put into effect, I think you will see core mining be on top. Well what I mean by that is is that um, so if you're only core mining, are you, are you doing any of the subsurface missile launches or, or are we talking about just seismic charges? Seismic charges usually. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so you, you seismic charge to, to crack the rock and then you abrasion blast to drop right, off the, right. the segments that are, that but, are there. Yeah. But what I'm saying though is like, have you, you ever seen some of those rocks where like, there's a subsurface on it and there's a core. Do you ever, do you ever dig the subsurface? I, I, I've done that. I tested it myself just to, you know, just to actually see, mm-hmm. because what I'd heard was that's not worth your effort and time. And when mm-hmm. I tested it and when I say I tested it, I mean, I tested it on a dozen different rocks. I found that the assessment of very astute and intelligent people was accurate. It was not worth my time. <laughs> it, it did. It just did not yield enough that to me it made it meaningful it was quicker and better to keep going 
if I found myself in a spot where like I was just hard up or I was like close to reaching the top, you know, end, like when you've got that Python that you, you literally have a full, you know, you have a full cargo hold and you're trying to squeeze out that last one or two uh, opals to throw in your refinery. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise it's not worth the effort. Mm -hmm. well, so, so, so let me, let me, let me clarify what I mean though. Okay. So I, I'm thinking if you're surface mining, you're you're also using the uh, uh, the subsurface missiles to dig out the like the the upper to, to dig those out and if you're core mining you're only splitting it and I'm kind of thinking that if in order to make the subsurface missiles valuable you make it to where there's more in them and you could and you could apply that toward like a surface a, a surface mining ship and then that way you could actually balance the two out because then you make surface mining a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. But um, without a doubt, the missiles, the subsurface missiles, the missiles that drill down into the into the uh, cracks and whatnot, that's something I would I would really like for them to do more of that I don't feel like they do enough with. But moving forward and. We may have to split this whole email up here because this this is <laughs> we are running really just, long here. <laughs> let's just push through and get it get it all knocked out. All right. So um, balance elite status elite status since the buff exploration ain't come in mining. Both exploration and trade elite seem a little too easy to achieve in comparison to combat, which is way more difficult. It feels like cheating to use mining income for trade elite. Um, I don't have a problem with using mining for trade elite. As someone who got their elite status three years after he started playing the game in exploration, uh, <laughs> I will come and then I'm playing a game right and doing a podcast right now with a guy who started like four months ago and is elite. Yeah, there's a there's there's some imbalance in there. There's some definite imbalances there. Um, so I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So <clears throat> I, I here's what I think. Uh, Frontier is in a place where they want us to have money. They want us to get more money by doing different things because they want us to buy the ships and they want us to, because when you buy the ships, then you can buy the skins for the ships and the, the skins, the, the, the paint jobs and whatnot, they sell for actual cash, which is how they make money, which is how they keep their, you know, kids in private school and their wives happy and, and, and you know, everyone gets to, to make money and they get to do more stuff with the game. So I get 100% why you add stuff like you up the amount of money that you get from mining i get 100 percent why you up the amount of money you get for exploration they want people to have the money to play with all of the toys that they work so hard to create so i'm 100 percent in favor of that but what you can do you can still give us you can still flood us with money so we can play with all the toys but you can and oh this is gonna this is kind of scary but hear me out you can give you all the money, but move the goalpost to say that now to get trading elite, it, it takes more money because money is easier to get. Now to get exploration elite, it takes more money because money is easier to get. I am double elite. I am nowhere near elite on combat, and I'm about to go through it. But I agree with the sentiment of balancing the status. I don't think that you balance the status by making combat easier. I think you balance the status by making elite and the other two harder. And I'm sure that there are some people that would not be happy with that, but 
honestly, like, it, it just gives you more things to do and more time to spend. That's it. Well, Draven, that's what you think, man. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> for me, it's one of those things where it's just like, since they kind of like gave a buff to both the exploration and the trading, uh, they should do something for combat where it's just, uh, it's like they were talking about on Lave Radio, and uh, one of the guys was going out and he was starting to kill it and he was going for his combat, and he ran the numbers on how many Thargoids he would have to kill to get elite from where he was at, and it was like some ridiculous number. Because we all know that Thargoids are like the best way to get combat elite, but it's just, you know. They why? are, but, but I don't think they're significantly better. I can go up. I, I'm still not elite in combat, and I do combat all the time. It is definitely the hardest to get elite in. I'm 80% uh, whatever the last rank before elite in, in exploration is, and I don't explore at all. <laughs> I'm 65% deadly, and it's so slow because now that I'm deadly ranked, it only counts if I kill deadly or deadly elite or ships. Love, yep. And that's why that's why Thargoids are the best because thar all of the Thargoid ships count as elite. So for from deadly to go from deadly to elite, it takes sixteen kills of elites to get one percent. So if you're at deadly, if you're at deadly is a one, you're talking about ninety nine times sixteen kills of elites to get to deadly a hundred, which throws you into elite. And when you're doing that in other areas and one out of every eight or nine ships you come across is elite, that means you're, you're talking about, you know, 16 times 99 times nine, as opposed to when you're doing it just off of the Thargoids, it's 16 times 99. It's literally nine times faster in that, in that scenario to just do it farming the, the, the Thargoids. Well, I think I'm the only one here who is combat elite, and I got that mostly by farming Thargoids. And I can tell you right now, number one, um, so it's not, it, it is not, it's a little misleading. It is not a, killing Thargoid scouts is 16 to 1%. If you work in an interceptor or two, it's a flat out one, one, sometimes one and a half percent. So if you can kill some of their higher tier things or be a part of their kills, you get more toward that. Now, I'm kind of in the mindset. I think what they need to do is make it to where elite trading and elite um, CQC and elite exploration go away. Like you can still hit hit a what's the right word you can get a license for jameson and founders world by getting to a certain by turning in a certain amount of trade or a certain amount of of exploration data to where you can get your to where you can get in there because jameson's really cool but getting that elite title for combat that that means that you really worked hard to get it and i don't want them to make that easier and i don't it, it that that Getting Combat Elite was like one of my proudest moments in video gaming, and I used to I used to do tournaments and stuff, and actually won some tournaments in in some FPS tournaments way 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 back in the day. And that was that was getting that was one of my proudest moments because I worked so hard to get it, and it took me 
it took me four, four and a half years. I only got it like six, eight months ago. And I'm so proud of that. And I don't want it to be diminished at all. I don't want them to, well, here's a, here's a cheap way to get Combat Elite. Now, everybody has it. Well, well, then why the fuck did I spend so much time and effort to do it? I don't want it to be cheapened. So that so way, old Ty, man Ty can have his back in my day. <laughs> so, so Ty, if you if you don't want combat to be cheapened, and I 100% agree with you, and I I still have the hill to climb, but I still agree with you. I don't want it to be cheapened either. Do you feel that the other two should be left alone, or do you feel that exploration and trade should be made a little bit more difficult to sort of? even it out so so i mean like i said i never liked explore elite or trade elite the term elite to me means only combat i think that you should be able to reach i think that like explorer pioneer should be their max and then trader tycoon should be the max there should not be an elite on there uh but that triple elite prestige just sounds so good Oh, yeah, yeah, I feel like triple elite is the real elite. Well, <laughs> to me it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. But I mean, so they're not going to get rid of. You're never. They're not going to get rid of the elite status in in trade and exploration. No, they're, they're not. They're, they're not. They're, they're tied to. They're tied to stickers. People have the the little stickers. If you take it away, that you're gonna. It's, it's yeah. never going to happen. So, again, I, I I put it to you, Ty. Do you want them? to leave the other two alone or do you want them to make the other two a little harder so that they are balanced out to 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 his, his point so i'm kind of in the mindset that i think that exploration okay i don't know right now those goals are based upon strictly turning in an x amount number of credits okay and i believe it's like 500 million for exploration data and 950 million for trading but i might have those numbers a little wrong what would be cool is if like there were certain goals you had to hit for getting elite in exploration and trade like you had to go explore um you had to go find all the different types of stars and all the different types of planets you had to go find and you don't necessarily have to have your name on them but you gotta have you gotta have you have to have scanned all the different types you have to have surface mapped x amount of planets you have to have and while and while we're at it why don't you say you have to have been to beagle point well okay that wouldn't be fair to me because i've actually never been to beagle point so i I can't disagree with what you're saying all i would say is doing it that way though elite dangerous is borderline too grindy for a lot of people as it is and that would make it even worse that's true, and in mm-hmm. for the trade thing, I think the trade thing's fine, because what we're talking about is basically a billion credits. Um, I do think a situation where you're just selling, uh, maybe, but it, or I think it kind of should be as more of a situation where it's a it's a trade for like, like you can't just go sell, you know. See, effectively with a, with a cutter you can't just so think about it like this with a cutter before the mining change you could sell uh six is it six loads eight loads eight i think it's i think it's eight or nine loads of paint and your trade elite so that's effectively like three days three four days and 
that's 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 not right. Maybe if you maybe maybe you should have to diversify a little bit, to where you have to do a little. You can only do so much mining that will go toward your 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 trade elite. Only so much trading that'll go toward your trade elite. Make it a little bit more diversive somehow. I don't quite know how you do that off the top of my head, but I think it would be. I think it'd be a lot more, a lot a lot more better. <laughs> I, I I like that. I like the idea. So I, I, I'm a person who got to trade elite in like probably two weeks. On, oh no, I got to trade elite on I think my second day playing the game. Jesus. And yeah, and I mean, so so I mean, Exegius put out a thing like a challenge, and he got to trade elite. Now he's obviously a far better player than I am, and and I was going based off of a guide, and he was going based off of experience. And he got it in 12 hours, and then the, the uh, Harry Potter got it in eight hours, and then somebody beat him. Uh, this guy, I forget his, his name, but he got it in like seven hours and two minutes, which is like the record for the fastest that we know of. Anyone's got it. And when I say they got it in that time, these guys had a stream going, a recording going through the whole thing. Like it's legit. Yeah. You saw every step of the way. The guy got it in seven hours and two minutes. That I believe is 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 too fast, and I think that again, I like the idea of them throwing more money at us so that we can play with all the toys. But if they move it back to say, "Hey, now elite with inflation uh, to get trade elite, it, it's it's way way harder," so it should be that it it takes more. Um, I like what you said about you know needing to get some stars or this that and the other. It doesn't maybe maybe you could re release a little of those restrictions and say, "Okay, you have to get." at least you know this many stars and have traveled at least this many light years from Seoul and the, the the data amount because as it stands now if you just mindlessly do road to riches you can stay in the bubble and hit exploration elite which is a little it's weird a, it, to me it's a little dirty little feels a little dirty you know that's, yeah. that, that's my whole thing um, I think I think that's actually where we're going to call it for the night, gentlemen, because uh, we're about halfway through his email, and uh, I do have a couple of breaking news announcements I want to mention real quick, okay? So, uh, no, these aren't necessarily elite things, but these are uh, things I'm, I'm interested in, and I'm going to talk about This is my show, so I'm going to talk about them. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one, Cyberpunk 2077 has officially been pushed to September of this year, which doesn't bother me at all. City Project Red can have another year for as long as I'm to work on it. Um, but the big thing that I'm super excited about, uh, Larian released a little teaser video today for Baldur's Gate 3 and said something like, things are, um, things are, we're working on things and we're going to see more February 27th. And I'm like a little, Kid in a little little you know, kid in a candy store just dee -dee -dee, just so happy, so happy. <laughs> um, Baldur's Gate one and two has a very special place in my heart. So for Baldur's Gate three, for a company like Larian to have it, I am so excited for this. It it it, I mean, I am more excited for this than I am. I could be more excited for this than I am for for fleet carriers. I hate to say it, <laughs> because. It's 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 such a game that 
so Baldur's Gate 3 was the very first RPG I played on the computer. Or Baldur's Gate 1 was the very first RPG I ever played on the computer. So it, it has a very special place in my heart. And I remember sitting there playing, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, this is just like the tabletop that I, I could play with my friends. And it was so amazing. And I cannot wait to see what they can do with Baldur's Gate 3. Um, but yeah, that's... Yeah, so anyway... <laughs> That's that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, kind of along the exactly. same lines, Bioware yesterday put out a very cryptic tweet of, in regards to Mass Effect. It, it just kind of gave the, like the intro to Mass Effect One, and and that's all it said. No idea why they put it out there or what that means, but it's got everybody yeah. in the community talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. All I could think of was you're gonna you're gonna fuck it up again. <laughs> uh, I'm actually hoping for a remaster of the trilogy. I, I predict that we'll get a remaster pretty soon, and I'll probably buy that. And I think that's exciting. That being said, Andromeda was such a, an abysmal f- it was pile just, of it, it, mess. It, Andromeda would have been good. It would have been okay if it didn't if it wasn't called Mass Effect. But with the bar set by the trilogy, it was such a letdown. I don't know. I mean, that game was just bad. But anyway, does anybody have anything else? Um, let me say this real quick. Uh, DJ, our commander, DJ Wiley, we will finish up your email next week, sir. Oh, for sure we're going to get to that because yeah. there's good stuff in there. There's great um, stuff in there, so yeah. So when, when you ask if anybody has anything else, uh, number one, I want to say thank you so much to Twig for making this, I think, the best episode yet. And uh, you, for sure, we're, we're going to do the, the Twitter call-outs. You've got to include your, your Twitter in there for, for that so people can reach out to you. Um, and I want to say thank you to everybody in the community for, for all the stuff that's happened this week. It's been a very, very cool week. And uh, Ty, do you want to maybe give any teasers for stuff that's coming up soon? Well, um, let's see here. Let me, let me do this real quick. Let me get the calendar pulled up because we have... I will just hit the high notes real quick. Not that we have really low notes, just some people that we are scheduled further out. So, let's see here. Saturday, I am talking with um, Edelwe- Edelweiss. I'm going to screw up his name. I just know Edelweiss <laughs> from uh, Lave Radio. Edelweiss. Uh, Edelweiss. God, dog. Um, Sunday, we are sitting out with Astro from Down to Earth, Down to Earth Astronomy. And Thursday, Commander Exegius um, mentioned he's going to join join us live. So that'll be super interesting. Very excited for that. Uh, yeah, Exegius is going to fourth chair it. So it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be a full house. Yeah. And then next Sunday, um, sitting down and talking with uh, Watherspoon. And uh, got a couple other things on the horizon I'm not quite ready to talk about yet. But these are all things that are confirmed for now. So... Um, but I think, oh, let me figure out what I was doing here. I was plotting my way home as I was doing. Um, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Um, Dravenos. Oh, let me, let me just say this real quick. Tweaked, I appreciate you joining us this evening. Um, the information you give us. Very happy to do it, guys. I really appreciate having me on. Do you have, thank you. Do you have any shout outs for your uh, for your squadron you wanna you wanna pass um, on? Well if any anybody wants to get a hold of me, you can get me on Twitter at tweet seventy four. Discord, the same name, at tweet seventy four. And if you're on Xbox and you're looking for a active fun squadron, 
Look us up, Leviathan Scout Regiment. And um, one other thing I will say is that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to do a little bit more, trying to be a little smarter with where I sell things and uh, sell data, like exploration data, because now I'm aware that that's actually going to affect a lot more than what I originally thought it was. So, I'm going to have to figure me out a faction and stuff to do that with. So, anyway, I think that's hmm. going to do it for the show. Um, you can always reach it if you guys have any questions. If you, you guys have any questions for myself or even for Tweaked, uh, I can pass them along to him. Uh, you can always email the show at loosescrewsquestions at gmail. Um, I, am, I, am, I am on Twitter at Tyrvol, T-Y-R-V-O-L. Our Twitter is at Loose Cruise ED. Thank God. Uh, you could also message us there or message us within the Discord. And you can find me at Dravenos13. That is D R A V E N O S 1 3. And um, you guys want to watch the show live? We just do it every Thursday uh, on YouTube. Um, you can just search for Loose Cruise ED or follow the link in the Discord. And I think that's it. Kai, you got anything else, Bubby? Any last words? Wow, you talked me into activating my Twitter and then don't give it out. I'm going to cry myself to sleep. <laughs> What's your Twitter, any, man? I can't remember your name. If anybody Twitter. wants to Twitter me, at Kai19103, I will probably get back to you sometime within the next decade. Uh, but for me, if you want to talk to me, get on the Discord. That's where you'll see me. I love you This guys. man is always in there. Yeah. All right, guys. Draven us. Do your thing. Well, guys, it's been a good episode, and don't fly without a rebuy. Thanks, guys. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.